Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. Well, we're from North America. It's the Ron Fez Show on a weekday. Today's actually Hash Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I guess so. Black opiated hash, blonde Lebanese hash. No one ever brings those. No one ever gets specific about the names anymore. No, no, definitely not about hash. It's lucky to be fine hash, at least for me. I don't know. I'm sure other people tied in. What do you mean? Why do you got to put yourself down like you're the outsider, pony boy? Who wouldn't want to spend time with you? All right, it is the Ron Fez Show. And I believe we've got a guest coming in very, very uh, soon. 
if you watch the uh, great da- David Mamet uh, movies, his wife and I don't know what you call it, like um, like a muse and a confidant and an actress. Uh, yeah, a collaborator. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, she's involved in, in all the films, uh, Rebecca Pigeon. And she's also got a... Uh, th- this is how some people have, like, the, the wildest life. She also had a band. Her and Shirley Manson used to hang out when they were younger. And she had a, a band called Ruby Blue in uh, in England and makes her own albums. And this, uh, you know, the, the music industry right now, who knows what's coming up. We're doing an all-new music day tomorrow with the man with the golden ear, Rob Cross. That's right. The guy knows it. You ever see Goldeneye, James Bond? Uh-huh. This is golden ear. It's the wow. same kind of thing except for he's a sniper with his ear. His ear snipes. European terrorists or something. I don't know what that means because I don't like to put down the European. I consider them allies. Uh, but he's going to be in as well as Carter. What's the name of Carter's uh, record? It's Dovecoat Records. What does that mean, Dovecoat? I think it's a, a dove wearing a jacket. Well, but it's C-O-T-E. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the jacket kind of coat. <laughs> well, I always, I always like to pay attention to how it hears. How it sounds. You, well, oh hold my on. God. You pay attention to how it hears. Yeah, how it hears. <laughs> oh, boy. Hicks sent me out to a movie uh, last night. Yeah. In the regular movie theater where they tried to take my phone from me. Oh. And I go, no, I'm not uh, going to have any part of that. Good. Um, but I was thinking of uh, Mr. Fez Watley doing it because it's a great big... Uh, It's a great big um, action movie, mm-hmm. but the entire thing is done with the uh, shaky cam. Oh man, the whole thing! There's nothing, no steady steadiness at all. Mm. No, there's no steadiness, and it goes on as we're fighting aliens. <laughs> now, I think I saw the thing. They said it was a press screening, but it was in this giant movie theater, and I I didn't see any press there. But and then the front rows were filled up with I think people whose job it was to sell the movie. Oh boy! And the so-called press started to laugh at bad dialogue oh. about fifty, no, maybe even longer. About an hour into it, he gave some kind of thing like this speech: how we were going to save the earth. Yeah. And one guy laughed, and then the <sighs> next weird thing came up: forty people laughed. Oh no! And the next, and I mean, this was like building slow. Until, like, you know, 200 people are laughing at the film. Oh. And I, I turn to my chick and I go, those people down there have to sell this thing. And she's like, uh, well, maybe they'll pull everybody from the movie. I go, no, not the first week. This is when they buy more ads. They buy more <laughs> ads and try to push it. Oh, man. I'm sorry about the uh, giant theater. I know I, I like to get you. No, 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 bro. Everything you do is great. No. No, you shouldn't have to be in, you know, giant theater. They want you to better. put your phone in a brown paper bag and leave it on a table with everybody else's. Well, this is the A's. I'm drinking a 40. Come on. So here's what I said to him. I don't have a phone. The guy's like, you don't have a cell phone? I go, no. I don't. Too bad, buddy. Now try fucking searching me because this ain't a plane. Uh, so we've got Rebecca Pigeon uh, coming in. And she's going to do a song for us live. That's right. This is my favorite thing in radio. And it's the only thing. Well, first of all, there's two things I love. Anyone who will play live on the air. And we've had a few great people come in and play live, and this is going to be great. 
Uh, but nothing better than a beautiful woman playing live. Oh, my God. That's, that's even better. the entire thing. That's just fucking perfect. Can't get enough of that, Ronnie B. Well, doesn't he have uh, track three down? Not mm-hmm. two? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't th- this is very weird. She didn't pick the, the hits that I thought. Although uh, I do agree with the member one is what I wanted to bring her in with. And yeah. that's the one she wants to play live. You guys synced up already. Uh, well, that's very, very cool. So we're letting her tune out there? Is that yeah, what we're doing? Right Killing now, a couple yeah. of seconds here? Yeah. Uh, but yes, there is something about a very attractive woman playing the guitar, singing, that makes life worth living. Oh, my God. That would be the dream thing, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beauty. Now, with for you, would you rather have the hit record mm-hmm. or have your chick have the hit record and you're that guy and everybody's like, what is what is she doing with that guy? <laughs> I, I kind of like that, actually. Yeah, that would be the way to go. And I'll be, I'll be like the Meg White of the fucking duo. By the way, I saw that documentary on last night. Oh, um, on the Great White Northern Lights? Meg's amazing. She's the best thing to ever happen. She's quite beautiful. Well, she, A, she's beautiful... But B, she's total, uh, total strangeness. Oh, she's quite, quite, quite weird. Which makes it kind of great. Well, I think that's what was so great about them in the when they first broke out or whatever. It's like, who the hell are these two? Mm-hmm. And, and people were like, oh, they're brother and sister, they're actually married incestuous, da da da. And you know that. that was I liked it better game. that way. I liked it better when we thought that they were incestuous oh, brother and sister. <laughs> the mystery was amazing. It's yeah. Like, holy shit, they rock and they could be totally fucking nuts. <laughs> you can't ask for anything more. Well, they are totally nuts. I guess. I mean, the whole thing of there's two of us in a band, and my drummer really can't play, but she's kind of hot and kind of odd. Yeah. That might have made them the greatest band in history. And we only wear three colors at any given time. Yeah, I never got that premise, but I guess it worked for them. It's a good color scheme. But, yeah, even their instruments and their, and their so fucking gear. So what was gear. it, red, white, and black, was that? Yeah. And what was the significance? I um, No clue. Just They just thought it looked cool. It, was kind it of like does. That. Yeah. It does, but I don't know. It had been a, a long time before since bands have worn uniforms. Like that was, you know, back like in the Temptation days, mm-hmm. the guys were like, "All right, we need four suits." You know, <laughs> even the Beatles when they started, yeah. the four of them were wearing the same shit. Kind of like Marty, like skin ties. Yeah, but uh, you know, they were Reservoir Dogs. Hell yeah! All right, so uh, Rebecca uh, Pigeon is uh, coming. Do I have her IMDb list in front of me? I oh, should have some. And then we got the track clips. Forget about it. But you've seen her in so many of the great uh, David Mamet uh, films, Winslow Boy, Spanish Prisoner, a Heist. Uh, she actually wrote the music for Red Belt, uh, his, one of his last movies. And her new album is called Slingshot. It's in stores this fall, and I want you to check it out at RebeccaPigeon.com. RebeccaPigeon.com. And uh, let's bring her in to do the Run of Fish show. It's uh, Rebecca Pigeon. Chain, he might even dabble in crack cocaine. He'll make us pay 
That is from the new album Slingshot by Rebecca Pigeon, and she's in studio with us. How are you? I'm very well. Congratulations well, for so uh, putting out the new album. Thank you. And uh, you were just saying as as you came in, this is the yeah. first time this music's been played. This is the first time on uh, that it's been aired to the world <laughs> on your show. We have the exclusive. <laughs> yes. Um, everyone knows you, I guess, from your your acting career, but yes. uh, you. I've been playing music for a long time. I've been playing uh, music as long as I've been acting. I started um, when I was 20 in a band called Ruby Blue in, in Britain. And mm-hmm. We did that for a few years. We uh, were assigned to Phonogram. And then I, when I came to this country, I did um, independent records with a company called Chesky Records. And now I'm bringing this, this record out, um, come out in the fall on Metronome. Now, now, as far as acting became the the primary thing for you at a certain point, though, right? Yes. Um, well, j- just because that's the way the career went at the time, you know, yeah. that's that's the that's how I was making money. Mm-hmm. But I was still doing um, I was uh, songwriting and singing, you know, in in tandem with acting. I never stopped. But uh, but uh, you know, also I had my family. So when yeah. a woman has her family, things slow down a bit in the, her business life. And um, and now it's just picking back up again in, in in a serious way because I'm very I'm more serious about it now. You're more serious oh, about I'm the serious writing. Serious on serious. <laughs> now the and, and it really I guess comes down to the songwriting itself before sure. you decide what else you're going to do. Sure. And is that something that you sit down to say I'm going to write a song today, or does the song mm-hmm. just kind of show um, up? Actually, it's it can happen. Any way it yeah. can happen that the song shows up. It can happen that you say this block of time, this six months block of time, is my writing time, and I'm going to get together with this person and that person, and I, it's going to be a, the time when we create this entity. And this is actually how we made this record. So um, this was done with purpose. Hey, we're mm-hmm. sitting down. We're yeah. meeting. Who all did you write with on this? I wrote with Larry Klein and David Bateau were my two main collaborators. Mm-hmm. I also um, had the good fortune to write with Freddie Johnson and with uh, Timothy Bracey. Mm. Yeah. How different is that when you're writing with other people? I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, to me, the out of everything mm-hmm. that that can happen in creativity, mm-hmm. this song is always the most mysterious thing. I don't know why it's that so is. so mysterious. Well, you know yeah. that feeling you get when you're sitting around with people that you're very close with in a room? Maybe there's two or three of you, and mm-hmm. you have an idea, but you don't quite know where it started. It just sort of started in the middle of all of you, and yeah. it just it just collects and collects, and it becomes something, and it's really such an intertwined uh, process somehow. Um, that's how how it was with Larry and with actually with all of the songwriters. It was a very smooth... Um, sort of organic process. We got very lucky 
it was and it was an adventure and it was um, inspiring and all of those things it, you know sometimes it was knock your head against a brick wall right. too not with personalities but what is this song trying to be yeah. and, and it took a while for the song to actually kind of declare itself and sometimes even when that kind of creativity it can leave at a certain point. Like everybody's feeling mm-hmm. like, hey, this is great. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. And all of a sudden it just kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of gone. That's what we call second act-itis. Yeah. When, you know, you get to the second act and the character is in, in a morass of confusion and you are in a morass of confusion. And you that's when you're really doing the hard work of just getting through that mm. um, to find the good stuff. But you have to go through that that frustrating, that sort of nowhere place of confusion. I don't know where I am, and this isn't as exciting and as ener- energetic as it was in the first, pl- in you know, as I, th- I thought it was all going to be. It's really not working out. Mm. It's just not working, and that, and then you kind of sit in that place and feel that pain, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you can slowly realize, oh, wait a minute, that's the road out of here. And then you get to some place that you hadn't expected that might be different but might be better than, you know, where you started. So did songwriting come to you at an early age? I mean, when you were a kid, were you yeah. also songwriting? Yeah. 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 You know, and I was, uh, like many people, I'm sure, influenced by the beat. I always listened, I listened to my parents' records, and they were the Beatles and mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and uh, stuff like that. But also British rock, like Ian Jury. And then I got into... You know, Susie and the Banshees mm-hmm. and, and uh, more obscure people like um, Young Marble Giants. Do you remember them? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is I think uh, that where you grew up, people hold on to music even tighter than Americans do. I think mm. that there's something about uh, Americans where we're sometimes even more visually stimulated. Yeah. But it's oh. a looser, somehow it's a looser, more open, a bigger feel in America. Yeah. Um, Almost like they could take it or leave it sometimes, like, oh, we like it for a little while and let go of it. Mm-hmm. But in Great Britain, it's like people have things and they hold it tight and yeah. they're, they're willing to stand online forever to yes. see the concerts and stuff. It's Yeah, maybe so. It's quite passionate. Um, where maybe we are, you know, as much as we lo- love rock and roll based here, yeah. we're so movie based as well. You yes, know? yes, I see what you mean. Yes, that's true. Well, this is the, the land of... Of you know, this is where it all started, and this it's just so great. It's so romantic, the yeah. Hollywood, the Hollywood thing. But also, this is the country where jazz and blues, and blues and and, that's, and yeah. so many times the Europeans and even Asians will know that history better than we do here in America. Really? Uh, yeah, mm. it's it's amazing to me. Um, now, it's interesting because you act and sing, and everybody always. You know, we want to put you in a place of whether you're an actor or a singer. Mm-hmm. But when we were kids, the same kids were doing the same thing. You know yes. what I mean? When we were kids, you were like an yeah. actor and a singer. Yeah. And then we want you to specialize as the years go by. Right. I know. You have to sort of kick out of that and, and not care about the, those definitions so much. Because if you do, then you end up not doing really what, what you want or what you what you can do, what you want to do. Right. Um, I think a lot of actors are, are musicians as well. I'm finding... Uh, that, oh, absolutely. Of, uh, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, if you can be serious about it and, and kind of follow it and, and just do it, uh, then 
and just be persistent, then, you know, why not? And you're doing shows, right? You're mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of shows uh, yeah. around L.A., and I'm going to be doing shows um, all of this summer um, in support of the record, which will be out in the fall. In fact, I'm doing a co-venture with this wonderful group called um, Women of the Vine, mm-hmm. um, who are... Um, these wonderful uh, women uh, winemakers and farmers, and the, the the hope is that well, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be playing at, at their ventures and their wine tastings and going around wine country and doing these gatherings with them, and then that we'll all end up at Farm Aid together. We're we're oh great. Uh, you know, I'm going to be d- donating, you know, part of the proceeds from my record to Farm Aid, and they donate, you know, part of their proceeds to Farm Aid, and, and they're the f- the the only wine uh, uh, farm growers association to be associated with Farm Aid at the moment, and they're these great women who, you know, just started from nothing. Each of their stories is so beautifully told in, in Deborah Brenner's book. She's the person who started this umbrella company, Women of the Vine, and. Um, they're women, normal women, who sort of changed careers and, you know, got to sort of a place in their lives. They thought, what the hell am I doing? I know, I'm just going to follow my dream and yeah. start a vineyard. And It know. is probably the most romantic thing it's that very we, romantic. Ha- we have now, isn't it? Because yeah. there's, su- there's such an art form to that and then also not even knowing how it's going to turn out. And yes. Farm Aid is so yeah. fantastic. And I remember yes. when that started so many years ago. Yeah. Um, I only think now that people consciously are getting what, you so know, Willie important. Nelson was so yeah. so long ago. Yeah. Uh, but now at the same time, you're seeing local farms being supported, mm-hmm. and and people are paying more attention to where their food comes exactly. from. Exactly, Lo- people are buying local yeah. as much as they can and organic and all of that. Yeah. Living like human beings, like normal human yeah. beings again. Living smaller in a way. Yeah. Uh, it's also amazing after seeing you in so many films to actually hear your actual accent. I've yes. never heard it before. You, yeah. you, have you ever That's used your strange. your own speaking voice in a not, in a film? Not really, no, because it's not really that identifiable. I'm Scottish. I was brought up in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. but my parents are English, and I did live uh, until I was six in America because my dad is a physicist and he worked at MIT. Mm-hmm. So my brother and I were born there. So I was a little American child. And then brought up in, in Scotland. My brother, if you heard him, he's definitely Scottish. Right. You definitely can tell where he's from uh, because, you know, sounds like it. So you really don't share a, um accent with anybody. It's no, some kind of your own... It's an, you know, some people call it mid-Atlantic, which uh-huh. always sounds strange to me as if I live on a little <laughs> raft in the middle of the Atlantic. Swimming back and forth between <laughs> these two lands. All right, you're going to do one of these songs for us, and I really appreciate sure, that you're yeah. going to do it in studio. Yeah. And this is the first uh, track, which is uh, Get Up, Get Out, beautiful mm-hmm. uh, track, and we'll just let you okay. put it together here. Okay. Get up, 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 get up,
Let's uh, get up, get out from uh, the brand new album, Slingshot. Very, very beautiful uh, song. And this is one that you wrote early on, or did it happen as you went along? Um, this is one that it sort of happened as we went along, and, and it came about from an idea, a completely different idea, from a book, actually, by... Um, oh God. For, um, forget her name but it uh, it was a book a, a kind of a, a story about escape mm-hmm. from you know imminent danger and then we turned it into a song about um a sort of changing of your life mm-hmm. right now get up and get out and do something that you've always needed to do and also a song about leaving you know bad love and going to new love and just uh, and these things will just pop in, and this slowly but surely you'll pull it together. And the mm-hmm, song is mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever write with with your husband? Do you ever write with uh, David? I do. Or? In fact, there's a song on here, an older song of ours that we've actually recorded before, but we re-recorded, called "Baby, Please Come Home Again," and that was um, inspired when I was listening to uh, Hank Williams, and then Dave said, "That's a beautiful melody. May I write the lyrics?" Because I really feel that I. 
got it. So he, he wrote this beautiful lyric to it. And, and that's when we write together, that's mainly how we do it, you know, because he's such a wordsmith. He's, right. He's one of those great poets who can say, you know, in three words, such a deep, profound thing that it would take somebody else, you know, a book to say. Yeah, uh, and and the thing, though, but from your point of view, is that's somewhat intimidating to say, hey, I've got a lyric now, too, yeah. and you're sitting there and you're trying I, to explain oh. it to a genius. I think I want to change yeah, this word yeah. of yours. No, no. <laughs> no, you never, we don't add it, David Mamet? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, well, I mean, whenever you try, mm -hmm. You just realize that what he's written is actually perfect, and you can't right. make anything better. I love that song too. When I heard, it. I, I'm just going over the album now, and I didn't yeah. uh, didn't have any liner notes with it. They just uh, yeah. you know sent it over the way. Yeah. And uh, uh, I always love the fact that a collection of music, when it sounds like it belongs together, you know, there's yes. so many times with albums that yes. you'll you'll get albums that you're like, well, this must have been done at all different times. That's true, yeah. But to have that theme uh, when mm -hmm. it's an album that you can want a mood or need a mood yeah. and pop it on and yeah. and that one although slightly different because mm -hmm. like you said it's a it's a country song yeah still fits perfectly i'm so glad yes yeah yes because you're right this is definitely a body of work mm -hmm. you know we we worked on it for a long time for about a year of, of songwriting so we've got lots of songs that didn't make it onto this record which hopefully will will come onto some other you, adventure. Do you still plan on doing those uh, live anyway, the ones that you haven't recorded eventually, yet? Or? Eventually, eventually. Yeah. But now I'm just I'm just working up these songs to get a really good show together for people and to really support the record as strongly as I can. Now, when you're doing something like this and you're planning a tour and it's going to yeah. take time, what do you do about your acting career? I mean, you just yeah. had a big hit with, with Red not that long yeah. ago. So um, I'm going to be doing some acting. Uh, Dave is making a film uh, about... Um, Phil Spector. So wow. I'm going to do, do a bit of acting in that, but but this is my first priority this year. So I have to I have to choose. And is it going to be Spector from the early days or is it a lifetime? It's um, actually um, about the trial oh. of of Spector, the last, the, the second to last trial, I believe it is. And yeah. and uh, David actually believes that maybe he is innocent. I remember reading some yeah, stuff does. about that before. It's very odd. We can walk over that window now and look down on the Brill Building where yeah. where oh, uh, Spectre yes. worked. And I've gotten a chance to meet some people and talk about it like a high point of American history and songwriting yeah. and the people that came out of there. And mm -hmm. again, those were people like they they used to write songs like as a nine to five yeah. job. Yeah. Can you imagine you come in in the morning you you need to write a hit by that five o'clock? That is. Well, I think that's the way to do it, actually. I think that's probably the way to do it. But then you've got to do just that. Right. I don't think you can really be a performer and do that. Yeah. You know? Because there's so many other things you have to work on as a performer. You have to work on your instrument and what you play. And, you know, you, you have to work on your voice. You have to work on how to, how to um, warm the audience up, mm -hmm. you know, and all of that stuff. And so sitting in a room for eight hours a day being a hermit it's not really going to going to help you do that but it's going to sure is going to help you write great songs so have we ever been in the situation you're writing in one room and and david's in the other room writing a script or a, a play and oh yeah i think a lot that's just the way that you guys are yeah like you know that's our idea of a good time he goes and sits in, in a room by himself and i go and sit in a room by myself and we do that all day <laughs> long and then we come out and, 
And then we go, honey, did you have a good day? Yeah, I had a great day. What do you feel like for dinner tonight? <laughs> um, can I, I play one of these off here, if you don't mind? Uh, this sure. is one of my favorite tracks. Sure. And again, I'm just getting used to this music, too. I just got it the other day, and I'm sure. a real fan. But you are not my, you are not my, my mistake. mistake. God, I love that song. Oh, I'm so glad. What's the story behind this one? Well, we wanted that to be um, a kind of that th a song about uh, what a parent might say to a child, mm -hmm. and in one of those moments where um, the the most difficult thing to say is the most important thing to say. Yeah, you know. And this is another thing I love about the album Slingshot, which is available uh, this fall. It is for adu it's adult type. Yes, yeah, sure. Of problems and lyrics sure. and and thought. It's not just about you know the, the kind of sweet love that you'll write those songs at sixteen or seventeen. Mm -hmm. But there's some complications to yeah. most of these songs. Yes. Uh, this one's called "You Are Not My Mistake." It's from uh, Slingshot. Do this fall, Rebecca Pigeon. <laughs>
You are not my mistake. Uh, thank you so much for letting me play that one. I hate to force personal favorites <laughs> on the artist, but uh, that was the song for me that oh, I just found I, to be so gorgeous. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you liked it. It's, uh, it's a haunting. It's a haunting melody yeah. as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's so great to have you stop by, and I really appreciate it. And I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, this summer should be very interesting yeah. for you, um, and we'll keep up with the dates on the uh, yeah, yeah. on the website. Okay, I guess. great, great, yes. And uh, if you'd ever like to stop by, if you're going, through, are you playing the city? You're playing New York, or no I will plans? be eventually, but I, I'm not sure of my dates. Probably in the fall, around the actual release of the record, we'll be doing some big thing. Sure, of course. So we'll come on by. And bring wine. Bring plenty oh, of we'll wine. Oh, bring plenty of wine. This wine is so good, like you've never tasted. Wh- where are they from? What, what part of the well, country? Well, they're all around uh, California wine country. Mm-hmm. But I think there's um, vineyards also in, I don't know, in Long Island. And, um, but some of this wine is really the, just some of the best wine I've ever tasted. These ladies just put their heart and soul into these bottles. It's amazing. Yeah. What, what a fantastic summer you've got oh, lined out for yourself. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, RebeccaPigeon.com, and you can uh, check out the new album and the tour there. Slingshot is coming out this fall. Thank you so much. What Thank a you, pleasure Ron. having the chance to meet you. Um, great pleasure. I will fear no evil. Because I'm walking with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I talk with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I shout with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I talk with Jesus. We still go together. We still go together. The Run of Fez show coming in very loud on a Ash Wednesday. Um, I didn't stop and get ashes on the way in because I didn't want to weird out any guests coming through the Run of Fez show, but I'll get some on the way home. People get weirded out by Catholics. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Catholics were like the original Scientologist of, like, those people are odd. What are they doing over there? Drinking the blood of what? I saw uh, Dr. Drew... Uh, I guess did something on Charlie Sheen last night, but I was reading this article about it, and Charlie Sheen. Uh, I think Doctor Drew also said about um, Scientologist and Tom Cruise that he's mentally ill for joining Scientology. It's starting to come off like Doctor Drew is addicted himself to being on television and talking about people. It seems like he needs to be on TV all the time. Yeah, constantly. He's the resident expert for anything that's going on. If someone's acting slightly off, any anything a doctor might be called in for, let's just get Dr. Drew in. Right. Somebody steals something, they may have an addiction. <laughs> Dr. Drew, can you give me a... Do you know, that isn't even his full name. His full name is Dr. Drew Boogie. And I don't know why he won't use it all. Wow. Because he mixes and it sounds good. Fuck yeah. 
Um, how'd you like that Rebecca Pigeon? Oh, wonderful. So, maybe if, seriously, maybe if you wrote plays, that's the kind of chicks you'd be hanging out with instead of what's what's going on. Oh no, I'm the pre- woman I hang out with is fantastic. It's very weird because I didn't know that you know how people were going to feel about the album. And I, I they just sent it to me the other day. And like I said, I really know her acting more, and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to meet Rebecca Pigeon. Uh, but then the album is very very cool. And uh, bringing her in, and I'm like, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you go over to her Twitter page, it looks like women follow her. Women like that kind of music, you know. Uh, and but I got a, a ton of nice emails, more than I get for most stuff sent here at Run Fez at AOL. How much they were digging it. That's right. Come on. I love a woman with a guitar in her lap singing to you, though. It's like the perfect thing. It was really cool as she was uh, doing that. Her eyes closed. Just Why don't we have nice. it? I know. And then like, I, and when she was open, I was just like two inches away, just bopping head at her. Get up, get up, get up, get out. Uh, I would have loved to have had a fireplace in here, though. Oh, Well, we could maybe get a trash can in next time. This idea of her and the wine chicks traveling around all summer, though, that's something that we got to look into, Peps. Hey, I, I could definitely see myself becoming a wino. Uh, I really, I've been starting to like, like the, and more than just the uh, rosé and sangria, mm-hmm. the other types of red wines that are out there. So you could think of yourself as a real highfalutin wine out. That's right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a little red wine. Now, we got into this weird uh, conversation yesterday where I said um, ham. Now, I like pig, anything in a pig, mm. bacon, pork chops, ribs. We're talking about the most delicious food on the planet. But when you get into that ham, and it's the big pink ham, it suddenly grosses me out. Now, thinly sliced ham, terrific. No problem with it. Put it on a sandwich. It's delicious. It could probably be the same ham. But when it's like that, I don't like it because the texture makes me feel like human flesh. Uh, I got an email here. And yes, we do get emails sent to us. And now, Ron and Fez, the show of the future, brings you... Electronic mail. Mail sent electronically. Um, According to this, this came from a gentleman named Jeff. He says uh, some cultural anthropologist, and then he puts down the name Marvin Harris, theorized that the root of why some religions forbid the consumption of pork, and we're talking about uh, the Jewish religion, I believe the Muslim religion, um, they said because it's too similar to human. And if you've ever seen a pig led to slaughter, it's no, it knows where it's going, and it digs its hooves in the dirt while the other pigs freak the fuck out. Even the scream of the pig is very similar to the scream of a human. In parts of South America and the Polynesian Islands, human flesh is referred to as long pig. Now, here's like, you know, we don't eat monkey because we act like, well, a monkey, that's almost like a person. We don't eat dogs. We happily eat pig. Yeah, we can't get enough of it. It's delicious. Now, just, a, and I brought this up yesterday about being involved in, like, sometimes when you're talking about something, you'll p- pick up a book and it'll be there. 
after the show yesterday, I get a hand of a book, Samantha B. I open it up. Uh, Samantha B, of course, is uh, from John Stewart's show, Daily The Daily show. show. She's one of the things. She's got a new book out, and she might come in. So it's right after the show. I open up. She says how she won't eat ham because it reminds her of a head, a human head. And I had never, the weird thing is, I had never even discussed this like I did out. Uh, An hour know. and a half before. Yeah. Like if somebody says, come on over and eat ham, I'm like, no, I don't like ham. But I don't tell them why. They just don't like ham. No, but the problem with me, I'm, uh, I'm raised by an Irish woman, and they're constantly, hey, we have a ham. Oh, it's Easter. Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. Ham, ham. Yeah, my grandmother constantly with the ham. But it's like cutting into a fucking person for me. I can't be part of it. Well, I looked. It's a field pig dissection guide, and all the major organs are in humans are in the fetal pig too. It's like they had. It's. it's what are you talking about? All the insides of a pig are exactly like humans. So it, it, they have a lot of human. Car- and it's like as smart as a four-year-old or whatever. I've never heard that before. That's kind of creepy, actually. Uh, uh, by the way, I want to. Po- I had never heard this before. Yeah, it's... Uh, you're going to South by Southwest next yes, week. Yes, South by Southwest. I got new- good news for you. What's that? You were just invited to a huge wine tasting on 16th Street. It's trade members only, but ar- arrangements are going to be made for you. Oh. You want to be, as you call it, a fancy lad wino. <laughs> so no more Colorossi for me. No. No more jug wine. You know about... You give it a smell, you give it a swirl, swish it around your mouth, spit. What? What do you do? I just, you know, I fucking drink from the bottle. Mm. Is that not how you're supposed to drink? Yeah, I guess so. It's like beer. Uh, Aaron, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, Anthony Bourdain talked about that in one of his books, that uh, the pig squeal is very similar to the human squeal. And there's other books, too, that, you know, kind of... Associate the similarities, like uh, Animal Farm, Napoleon with the pig, and, you know, the uh, grief. You know, we identify with pigs in a big, big way. And yet, our most delicious food. I mean, let's fucking be totally honest about something. The pig kicks the shit out of the uh, cow. Because, you know, if you're going steak, hamburger, primer, it's all the same taste. With a pig... You're breaking it up. You don't know that bacon, uh, ham steak, oh my God. rib, these are all different meals. All different delicious meals. Steve in New York, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, what's going on, Ron? Uh, first time caller, I listen all the time, but uh, I'm just calling because you're comparing the pig to a human, and uh, I'm in the Army, I'm a combat medic, and that's exactly what we train on. Why? Yeah, uh, because all the organs are exactly the same. All right, so now people are s- sending stuff in to me. The organs are exactly the same, and they say that a somebody just wrote me this email and said that a pig has the intelligence of a five-year-old. Oh God! All right, another person, uh, Fly Ed, writes to me. Will you please? Quit trying to fuck up ham. I'm not trying to do that to you, Ed. I just brought out, everyone taught about, talked yesterday about weird shit. And I said, I don't like to eat ham because I feel like I'm chewing on human flesh. Not the taste. No. The texture alone grosses me out. I had no idea that this was historically correct 
and a common thing. Uh, Jay, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, pig skin is very similar to uh, human skin. We use it in uh, burn victims all the time for skin graft. Now, what? see, here's what happened. My cousin was burned, and all we did was wrap some bacon around him, and it was delicious. All right, goodbye, Darren wrote. I hope I didn't offend you with the stuffed hams. Darren, you could never, A, you could never offend. No. You're too good of a person. Yeah. B, Hank, she went crazy on this stuff, oh, Tams, right? Oh, fuck yeah. I housed them shits. They were delicious. Didn't you, uh, you had a house party of ham? It was a ham party. Sort of like a house party, but just, you know, sitting around ham and malt liquor. Who did you have over? The high society guys? Uh, my buddy Chris came by, yeah, and then uh, a few other people, randoms. Just, I was like, hey, I just pretty much called anyone who was down to come to the ham party. And they were like, all right, I got some stragglers. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, your lingo, it really connects me to the streets. Thank you. And tonight I'm going out to wine tasting with Rebecca Pigeon, who oh. I already said, let's ask Dave to come over. When she just calls David Mamet Dave. That's that's weird. I mean, it obviously makes sense. She's a- yeah, so it's not weird. No, it's that's weird. His, she's the wife. She has kids with him. <laughs> she's actually more beautiful in real life than even her films, right? Oh, yeah, stunning. If I was David Mamet, I'd go like this. Get your guitar. Get in here and sing me a good one. Um, actually, I was... One of the things I was going to play was the one that he wrote the lyrics for, but then afterwards, I didn't want to come off like, you know... Um, here's uh, Bill. You're on Run Fest. Hey, Ron, if you're uncomfortable with ham, you ever throw a football around? Look, I don't want you to think that I'm some kind of fucking skeevy guy. I'm not. But when I bite into... A ham, it reminds me of biting into the human flesh. And I'm telling you that as somebody who tried to fucking come in close on me and I'll bite the top of your fucking eye right here. Don't act like I haven't sunk my fucking teeth into somebody before. I have. Okay. And you know what? Yeah. Right up here, because here's the thing. When you fucking take somebody out right here and this opens up, yeah. blood spurts like you wouldn't believe. And really? of battle. Yo. You bleed out of this area on your forehead like you would. Okay. You saw it in wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. right up here, boxing, that's the first thing that goes on, guys, right? Yeah. That's why you see the fight, Dr. Always out. We're good. So if somebody's fight with you and they come in close, they're doing that thing of wrestling down, take your teeth up, bite right on there, fight's over. You fucking just, and you'll flip the fucking piece out. There's fucking blood everywhere. And yeah, there's blood everywhere, and then you in close headbutt down on the bridge of the nose. This is pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, it's not. It's a fucking. It's known. Biting. It's called bar fighting one hundred and one. And you really, you cer- you you certainly don't have to be a fucking tough guy to pull that off. <laughs> You've just got to be more twisted at the other guy. But I'm telling you, a ham has the same texture as human. Period. Tony in Cleveland, you're on the fence. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, not to freak you out even more, Ronnie, but uh, in an interview I saw. Uh, one of those FBI guys had this interview with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and he talked about how human flesh that he ate tasted like salted pork. There you have it. There you have it. All right. He would probably have human and beans. There's a big cat. Human and beans. A human bean. Got it, Fez? Oh, yeah. Weird coincidence. Um... Here we go. Pig DNA is 83% similar 
to human DNA. Jesus. That doesn't even sound that close. Because uh, a, a monkey, I think, we're like 90... 99. Like 99%. Change. So that's not shit. That's about the same as a flower with us. <laughs> um, so fuck it. Uh, Anthony, you're on Fez. Hey there, Ronnie. Um, what about, like, a nice cured ham? I'm from Spain, and Spain is known for, like, the best fucking ham on the planet. And they don't refrigerate that shit. They just hang it from the ceiling and cure it and salt it. It's beautiful. It's got a different texture. It's drier, a little bit more crisp. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I kind of stay with anything away from the word ham in it. Now, you see that thing there. Now, if you look at it that way, the pinkish inside is like human flesh. Mm-hmm. Like mu- almost like muscle. And the texture is like that. And you do see the muscles, and you see the bone, and you know... Kind of like a thigh, sort of. Yeah. Um, Will, you're on a fez. Will, lost you... Robert, you're running Fez. Yeah, I love when you try human flesh to maybe it reminds you of ham. Yeah. So you ate human flesh? What did I just tell you about biting fucking people before? Don't act like you never bit a fucking human being. That's great. You got a brother that could kick your ass, you're going to bite him. You're in a fucking scrap, you're going to bite. Um... Here's the Hambler out of Chicago. Hambler, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ryan. Um, when they do, uh, when people get bad, uh, when they have a bad valve in their heart, they can actually, uh, they take a pig's valve and they uh, replace it right into the human heart. Either that or they have, uh, you know, a mechanical, which is some kind of no. man-made material. But he- they- Here's what I'm wondering about, Hambler. Could a Jew or a Muslim use a pig valve, or would that be not kosher? Well, they uh, they give you a choice. I guess the pig valve is it, it like has a shelf life inside the human body, and the mechanical one can last a little longer. So, I, obviously, I think they would just choose to use the uh, the man made one, you know, probably because you know for religious purposes. But there's also benefits to using either one. One's a little more natural, and one's a little more kind of robotic. So, all right, I appreciate it, buddy. No problem, Ronnie. It seems weird that the answer to heart problems would be pork. Is pork all that bad for you? Well, that, they did that campaign a while back, the other white meat, where they were saying it was actually good for you. Yeah. I don't buy into the fact that everything they say is as bad as they say. Because some people, it's like no matter what they do, they can't get away with it. And then other people, you'll see those guys, like their 100th birthday and they're fucking having a smoke, you know? Yeah. And they're like, I like to fucking drink and smoke every day and it relaxes me. You know, that... You're fucking rolling dice here. It really doesn't have shit to do with anything. Um, let's go over to uh, Dave. Dave, you're on first. Yeah, hey, Ron. Uh, the the British Navy, the British sailors, prefer the taste of human flesh to uh, uh, the food they normally get uh, on the ships. Now, they in the old days, they were the ones that had the really cured meat, right? Salted meats. Those, and they are a people. And I hate to say this. You know, just after my new best friend Rebecca, a pigeon. But uh, they, those people, the Scots with the haggis and all that disgusting oh, stuff. No, no, thank you. By the way, as awful as the Scottish men sound, Scottish women, perfect. Oh, I love the Scottish accents. Great. Yeah, Scottish accent on a woman or Irish accent. Scottish. It's always going to be Scottish. 
It's a fucking fantastic accent. It's much better than the Irish. It's, it's very slight, but it's a much better fucking yeah. accent. I don't know why. She actually does. She did talk exactly like Shirley Manson, who <laughs> always had a very sexy speaking voice. Mm -hmm. But I've seen Rebecca Pigeon in like, I don't know, 12 mo movies at least. She was just in Red last year with Bruce Willis. Never uses that accent. So every time she comes out of the gate, she has to pretend she's from somewhere else. It must be great not to be acting for her. She can just not put on fucking a goddamn accent and just, just talk normally between scenes or whatever. Jesus. Oh, you mean to, to then for them. Now, some people won't. Some people act like once I get the accent, I've got to stick with it. If I'm going to be a character, I'm going to play that character 24 hours a day so that I don't let everybody down with it, yeah, you know? Character, yeah. Other people are just like, whatever, I'll be in my trailer drinking. That's right. Now, if I was an actor, I'd be in my trailer drinking. I, I'm not going to get into it as much as the other people. No method acting. That seems kind of crazy. It's too hard. Yeah. And I would say most of my scenes I have to do sitting down with green screen behind me. What was that? I was just watching a film the other... Oh, I know what it was. 12 Monkeys. Nice. Look for any of the car scenes with 12 Monkeys. Just how bad the green screen driving oh, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hysterical. It might as well have been done in the 1950s. <laughs> um, here's January Memphis. Hello, yeah. Hey, Ron, I heard that uh, in medical school they used baby pig cadavers to practice suturing on. That's the thing. I mean, I'm not going to, I wouldn't take um, ham away from anything, anyone, but I just, I don't like the idea of it. I don't like the idea of chewing and swallowing human flesh. Uh, this got written in What's Wrong with Scottish Men, Sean Connery. Sexiest of all bonds. I can't tell whether guys are talking huh? well or not. You're the man now, dog. You okay, Fez? Uh-huh. What happened there? That was just my Sean Con my one-line Sean Connery impression. Do Sean Connery doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag. That's good. That's fucking good. Of the United States of America. Well, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that, that. But then you it really, just went nutty. Why did you feel the need to go into the second line? Because you had it in that first line. Um, what is the impression? Oh, this is the impression everybody in Great Britain is doing now. Um, Michael Caine. Everybody does Michael Caine. Um, trying to think of a Michael Caine line. Um, Batman, Batman, it's the Joker's out to get you. I can't do a Michael Caine. Um, here's Joe. Joe, you're on a fence. Hey, Ron. Yeah. It's actually hard for humans to digest pork because the DNA is so similar to human flesh. Um, I appreciate it. I need somebody in our listening audience to do a Michael Caine impression for me and i know that there's a new tv show coming out i think it's a tv show maybe it's a movie uh where i saw in the trailer they're doing battling michael Caines. but everyone now in england does a michael Caine impression including of course michael Caine. Oh, yeah. michael Caine does his own michael Caine impressions go to youtube and just look for michael Caine impressions and they'll go through. No, that's just Michael Caine, but that takes forever. I saw that one before. Okay, okay. But just, and you'll see 
There'll be like best ofs of people doing Michael Caine. There we go. What's up? I mean, yours is, is the most impersonated the voice in, in the business. Just leave it. Just stop being crazy. Okay. Just calm down and leave it. Voice in, in the business, isn't it? Oh, yeah, everyone Everybody does. Does. I, I can do it. Can you do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> my Michael Caine impression. <laughs> it's Peter Sellers. It takes a man in a tweed suit five and a half seconds to fall from the top of Big Ben to the ground. <laughs> now, there's not many people know that. That's the great Peter Sellers. My name is Michael Payne, and I am a nosy neighbour. Now, not a lot of people know that I know this, but Mrs Higgins, at number 20, claims to be a vegetarian. Yet I saw her in the butchers buying two pounds of Cumberland sausages. Two pounds of Cumberland sausages! Now, how can you trust a woman like that? <laughs> What's going on? First Joe and then Doug. Do you know, this manor is turning into an open air lunatic asylum. You wouldn't think so, would you? But that bloke there used to be Simon Sparrow in all them doctor films. They used to have to sew his pants shut to stop the women goosing him. You wouldn't think so to look at him now, would you? Anyway, I've got a dash. They're reshowing the swarm on Channel 5. <laughs> I stopped that for a second. He is like their Christopher Walken now. Oh. People over there will do this as if it was a Christopher Walken. Here's uh, Jack, Jack in Cleveland, your manifest. Two things I can't stand. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. Sorry. There you go. Right, we're going to need more Michael Caine impersonators. Let's hear some more of this. Be something along the lines of, my name's Michael Caine. That is where you are so wrong. Listen, and you can listen, look at my listen, live video of the proof, listen, because listen, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. All right, hold on. Who are these two guys doing this? That's Steve Coogan. And who's the guy doing it with him? I think they're either doing a movie or a TV show together. Uh, He's an impressionist over there, but let's go back. Rob Brydon. Okay. Kind. That is where you are so wrong. Listen, and you can listen, look at my listen, live video listen, of the proof listen, because listen, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. I say Michael Caine used to talk like this in the <laughs> 1960s, but that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars and the brandy don't let me finish can now be heard. Okay. A, I've not fucking finished. In the back of the voice, and the voice okay. now. Will I still not finished? The voice. You're panicking. I've, you're no, because you look like you're about to bloody talk. Let me finish. Right, so. Michael Caine's voice now. In the Batman movies, and in Harry Brown. I can't go fast because Michael Caine talks very, very slowly. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When it gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. 
She was only 60. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine. Shall I prepare the Batmobile, Master Bruce? It's, it's wonderful, actually, sitting there. That's uh, pretty amazing. What are you crying? You're laughing so It's hard. fucking great. You just like impressionist? Uh, I never heard anyone do Michael Caine before. It's yeah. I don't Caine's know awesome. why it's insanely big over there where Michael Caine is now forced to do a Michael Caine. Exactly. Now, Fez, people are writing in to me. How does Fez not know even the Batman quotes if he watched Batman as much as he thought? It's Alfred. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely drew a blank on it. Trying to think of the voice. But don't you remember any of the quotes that... That Alfred had for Batman? That's exactly what he did, Miss Doss. He went down to the press conference. What do you mean? No, it's just not even close. Do your Sean Connery. You're the man now, dog. But why don't you just do the one line? Did you see a comic do that? Uh, no, it was just that I never saw that uh, movie, but that was uh, that trailer, that commercial for that film, whatever it was, played constantly, and it just got stuck in my head. Ooh. I was thinking about you, Fuzzy. I'm serious. If you really want to take your money off uh, your mind off your problems, I want you to go to see Battle of Los Angeles. It's an action film. Okay. And when I say action film. There might be 40 lines of dialogue in two and a half hours. Us fighting some unnamed creatures who are here for our water. And the entire action film. Explosions, jets, spaceships, blah, blah, blah. All done with a shaky cam for two and a half hours. And I saw it on one of those giant fucking IMAX type screens. Holy shit. And I'm going like, and I'm literally, I'm laughing. And I said to a guy in front of me, I go like this. If my friend Fez was here, he'd be puking down your neck. That would be another explosion. I would totally throw up. I threw up three times during Blair Witch Project. This made fucking Blair Witch Project look like you were laying down in a comfortable bed. And this was the other funny thing. And we might be getting somebody in from the movie. So I want to say this now before they come in. The dialogue would be like this. You'd see all these monsters, and then another monster would come out, and they would always do this every time. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's something from another fucking planet. You have no reference to it at all because it's from another place. Have they not been paying attention to the alien invasion? And they were still b b bitching about other things. Now, here's the other fucking part I had. And I, 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 this bothers me in all these kind of alien invasion movies. We're supposed to care if the kid and his dad get back together, if the kid gets his dog and all this. And I'm like, you don't understand. Los Angeles is destroyed. They've killed Jack Nicholson. All right? The comedy store filled with comedians is gone. I don't give a fuck if the Mexican boy and his dad are able to hide in that fucking thing. I am now looking at a world where the entire cast of Baywatch has been wiped out. Done. Never coming back. But they don't seem to matter about that. No. Very self-obsessed. You know what I want to do a, a, a show one day, Hicks, where we're just playing the live versions of people who did stuff in here? Oh, yeah. It's, it's building up. I wanted to do a live album called They Sang Into Ronnie B's Face. 
And it's just people who came in here two feet away and played the guitar to me. That's very doable. You say that everything, every dream of mine is doable, and then nothing happens. Oh, no. Live, live album's coming out. We got plenty of hot tracks. And this was an exclusive. We should have been shooting this today, putting it up, getting it out there. But we're like, who cares? Mm -mm. Uh, here's somebody who says that they can do a impression of Fez. Go ahead. Let's hear your Fez impression. Well, I think it's fine that Michael Caine um, is as big as he is overseas with the impressions, but the Fez should really... Um, this is weirding me out. It's so fucking good. Oh, I don't um, think it, it's anywhere oh, close. Oh, you don't know. Oh, the caller? I'm going to cry. Look... Oh, that was good uh, with the break-off voice. Oh. Uh, I, I, I'm working on a Fez Watley. And you're not going to be offended, Fez? No, I won't be offended. All right. But this is uh, Fez Watley every day, almost every day on the Run of Fez show. Oh, oh let's do this. You, you, Chris, you do it to me. Okay. Just say to me... Um, Fez, I'm going to take care of that for you. Fez, I'm going to take care of that for you. You're the man now, dog. What? That didn't make any sense, Fez. You got an itchy bond for me? Or do me do me a favor. Um, say, like, in a puppy voice, who's the man? Who's the man? You're the man now, dog. Thanks. I'll say it's closer than that caller. Or I, I got a Fez impression that I'm working on, okay? I'm Fez, and you just said to me, Fez, what did you have for lunch today? Fez, what? Well, well, hold on for timing. It's got to be fucking timing. Take your time, and then ask me with a little drama. We're not trying to get this over in a second. I got to get in character. So, in your mind, just so we know, this is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and Fez is just back from lunch. All right. Fez, what did you have for lunch today? <laughs> Garlic shrimp. Scene. All right, a lot of that was just fart noise. Ah. Uh. Matt Cleveland, you're on the Run of Fez show. Spot on. Hi, Ronnie. That's fucking good. Shit. It really bothers me because I was working on my Fez impression for so long. And somebody else could just pick up the phone and top it. Fucking You've been working on a Fez impression too, Hicks? Mm -hmm. All right, let me hear it. That's good. I don't know if it was as good as the caller, though. It's not good. It's just a fart sound. It's not an impression. <sighs> I can't believe this shit. Oh, I've been working on a thing like, what if Fez was an orchestra conductor? So, I mean, you know how they always do those things, like you'll take the person that you're doing impression of and put them in another job, you know, like, right, yeah. oh, what if, you know, Jack Nicholson worked at the DMV? So this is Fez Watley as uh, orchestra, orchestra conductor. 
だらだらだらだったったプーンだらだらだらだったったプーン It's farting! It's not an impression! It's just Why really... Why do you gotta run everything else down? I say some of the stuff that you do. It's just really wet sounding fart noises. Well, well what do you want, a dry fart? It's too dusty. Oh, I actually do an impression of Fez doing an impression. Oh. Yeah. You're the man now, dog. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Here's camp in Tallahassee. You're in Fez. the fuck was that? That was Fez when he uh, was fell asleep on my uh, couch. Uh, Joe, you're on a Fez. Yeah, I got a Fez uh, impression for you. Yeah. I got nothing. All right. See, it's just, I, all right. See, I, I would have I I done it. problem from time to time. I would have done it more like this. I got nothing. Oh. I got nothing. I have gas. But anyway, impressions are, you know, we brought up Michael Caine. And Hicks, I never saw you laughing as hard as you were during the Michael Caine. Play a little bit of Michael Caine doing an impression of Michael Caine. When you can say, unlike Fez, he loves that people do impressions of him. Talk because it, I mean, yours is, is the most impersonated voice in, in the business, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah, you don't know it. I, I can do it. Can you do it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Michael Caine. I'm finished yet. I'm not finished yet. Not many people know that. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like this bloody moron. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Michael Cohen. So, so she, she can't really, you know. You know where they've got me now? On, on a, on a. They have me on the birthday cards, you know. Yes, when you're job. It's your birthday today. Not very people know it. <laughs> now they've got me. Uh, you know, on the uh, satellite navigation. Yeah. You know, where you in the car? Where yeah. it's like, it's a, and it's, it's me going. Now I take the secretary. <laughs> And you'll wind up right in the shit. <laughs> That's amazing. And Billy Connolly's there just hanging out. I know. I wish uh, I could just be hanging out with Billy Connolly. Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Face show. Hey, I made my father sleep on a futon and I killed him. Hey. Hey, that's not good. See, we were doing all this to make Fez wow. forget his troubles. Yeah. Come on. Impressions. Uh, Dan, you're on. We got to get somebody on this phone. Dan, you're on Renefez. Ooh, I think some cum came out. All right, see, that's not good. Uh, Andy, you're on the Renefez show. Andy. Oh yeah, I got uh, save the Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> now they got it coming fight. out of both ends. Um. Anyway, let's take a break here. I wanted that to go all in a much funner way. I hope it didn't bum me out. We will take a break here. A lot more uh, coming up on the Run and Face show after the break. 
Mormon Jesus. Mormon Jesus. Mormon Jesus. Long, long, Mormon Jesus. Long ago, a spirit child on one of these planets was conceived. Unidentified God is on this plot named Elohim. Elohim was conceived. This spirit child was later born to human parents. Near the mysterious star called Mormon Jesus. Mormons believed in Mormon Jesus. Through obedience to Mormon Jesus, he was elevated to Godhood as Mormon Jesus. Mormon teaching and death and resurrection in this sense. All by the God of Mormonism and his wife produced billions of sons for the devil and billions of tons of children. The sons of the Mormon people are great abundantly Desire destiny and to have sex with Elohim's eldest son, Lucifer, his brother, Mormon Jesus. Elohim's son, Mormon Jesus, approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus. Savior of the planet Earth would be Mormon Jesus. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim, one of his wives, gave a bad of starting life and best sex with a virgin in order to provide Mormon Jesus with the Indians. It's the Ron and Fez show. Um, Joey Gladstone said, uh, hey, what happened to the sleeve songs that you guys said you were going to do today? Uh, we didn't get on top of that, but uh, we definitely will help sleeves and promote this. And we're going to have a meeting after the show today and go over stuff. Uh, Fez, you had something you wanted to talk about, though? Well, there's these test kits that are being sold that uh, test kits to see if they have the genes that determine athletic ability. 
I would never go ahead and uh, test my kid like this to see if he was going to be a super athlete. If he had to hold on, you have a kid? No, no. If I did, oh, if you did, yeah. Well, why not? Because I just to me, it's like you're like. How's it worse than an IQ test? Well, I think you're just kind of pigeonholing the kid there. If it comes back even positive for these genes. It's like I, then you you have this desire to push a kid in a direction that he may not want to go. Well, you know, well, how, first of all, most kids, if they can do something well, it's what they want to do. Like, it's very rare to run into somebody who has a natural habit for something and have them not want to do it. That just doesn't happen in life. If a kid is fast, he normally loves to run. If he's good at math, he loves math. But isn't this, isn't, how is this different than an IQ test? Well, I think it's because then the IQ test can go in a bunch of different directions. He could have uh, have an aptitude for writing or, like you said, mathematics, whatever. No, absolutely not. No, you either have one for writing or one for mathematics. There's a lot of great writers that aren't good at mathematics and fantastic mathematicians who have a difficult time standing in front of a room explaining to people what they do normally. Greatness comes from concentrating in one area and working that very, very hard. See, I think it just add, I think it adds to too much disappointment. Like if the kid comes back positive with these genes but doesn't want to play sports, then again, there's trouble I, there. Again, when have you ever heard of that happening? When have you heard of somebody who's like a great basketball player but doesn't enjoy playing basketball? I've never heard of it. It would be like a really funny person going, no, I really don't want everybody to laugh at my jokes and I'm going to keep it to myself. I don't think that it happens. Uh, I, I don't know why everything like this is always seen as somehow it's going to hurt humanity rather than assist humanity. Um, but we do give kids aptitude tests all the time. What if it got to a point where it's like only kids that passed this genetic test were allowed to play sports? The slippery slope, huh? The slippery slope thing? Oh, yeah, is that's, that, that's what that would be, is yeah. That, is that the argument? That suddenly we're going to become uh, Gattaca? Uh, like they only allow into colleges the kids who take the uh, boards on the highest scale? Um, Hicks, has there ever been anything that you thought that you were good at that you didn't like to do? I would love to hear that from anybody. If someone just happened to have a skill, but they say, I don't like it. I can't imagine. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't make any sense, because you have to like it if you're fucking good at it, or, or vice versa. Because you can't just fucking, like, I don't know, be a fucking mathematical genius and fucking hate fucking working with numbers. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, me. there are plenty of people, let's say, that are good at basketball or good at baseball, but snort coke. You know what I mean? Like, they'll go, yeah. well, and then they'll kind of fuck up their physical ride. But it doesn't mean that they hate that thing. And again, just because you have an aptitude for anything doesn't mean that you're going to excel at it. Um, you will normally find yourself... Now I, now, I am sure there are exceptions to the rules, but I don't know what we fear with this. I haven't heard anything that you've said why we should fear this test other than the Gattaca angle. 
Well, I think if uh, if you sent away with this test, like someone like uh, Davey Mack, Eastside Dave, mm-hmm. would love for his kids to be athletes. Has said that before. If he did this genetic swabbing thing, sent the tests in, and they didn't come back with the genes, he's going to be disappointed in his kids before it even starts. Um, most people that want their kids to be professional ball players, 99% of them end up being disappointed. Something like 90% of people in this country stop playing competitive sports by age 14. And then you're le- you're down. Now, go back and think about when you played competitive sports. Most, uh, all kids try it. You know, they're five or six, they go out for the soccer. The ones who figure out that they hate it, hate it. Other people go, well, I got a little bit of aptitude for this. But as they move up the ranks, it becomes more and more difficult for them. So they quit. By the time you get to high school, um, you will find the people. But, you know, that will go, I want to keep trying to go with this. And most of the time, they're not even good enough. You know, your whole thing of ending up in disappointment, if you set out to be a recording star because you want to make a lot of money and go to number one, the chances are overwhelming. Almost 100% you will be disappointed. But if you start a band because you like to play music and you like to write music, your chances are pretty good that you're going to enjoy it. You're acting like the only thing that you can do is go by feedback of whether or not something was successful. Well, also, I think I think you would need a genetic test for coaches too, for like for all along the way, to to make sure these kids that with these specific genes are getting trained the best way they possibly could. Yes, people do that all the time. That's why at, at, at age ten and eleven we have traveling hockey teams now, because playing hockey in your own neighborhood is not good enough for these people. They need this and that. Yes, all that's true. The people that are very serious about it. Uh, throw themselves into it, but most people don't. And the, here's the weird thing. As much as we hate the stage mothers and all that, the people who end up being successful, about 90% of them had a stage mother or father. The Jackson family could bitch all they want about that crazy old man. They are also successful because of him. And you could go through the line and find the people who are pop stars now because their mother was pushing them and forcing them in this stuff at eight, nine years old. You don't run into people. Let's say this. It's much more rare to run into people like the Beatles or the Stones who were kids when they were younger and decided to do it uh, themselves. Uh, But again, let's go back to the central part of this. There is a test to show what you're good at, right? Right. Doesn't mean that you have to do it. The government's not forcing you into these places, correct? No, the government isn't. So what would be wrong with the parent saying, I want to know what my child has a natural aptitude for so I could open up things to them? Because it doesn't feel like it's opening up. It feels like it's going to get very uh, one-sided. What, what, what part is one, one-sided? Where the kid uh, would be, you know, forced more into math classes and uh, math clubs and stuff, 
when maybe he wants to do something else. And it, it almost feels like well, it's... Well, first of all, let's you'll go into that tiger mom thing, right? Who said that the child should only do what they feel like doing? If we let the child do what they feel like doing, we wouldn't have school. I got news for you. I never would have been in first grade if they didn't fucking force me. I ran out in kindergarten. I was running out in 12th grade. Never wanted to be in there. Never felt fucking like, hey, this is a place I want to be. So do we already force kids to do stuff that they don't want to do? Oh, yeah. And whose business is that? That's the the families, the parents. Right. But your thing is, it's not so much what this test is, but your your, I think, basic problem is that the parents can force their will on the child. Where that's going to be the focus, and a kid, and but that's what parents do, right? That is the parental job to force their version of the world on that child. And if you have hippie parents, they introduce their children to hippie things. If you have a marine dad, he introduces his children to marine things. Uh, how many times have we met writers? Oh, my my parents happen to be teachers. Um, so many people that have written books come through and will tell us, oh, both my parents were teachers. It happens all the time. It's very rare that that people will get introduced to stuff that is outside, outside of what they know. And that's why a lot of people who uh, they're like, well, I was a rock and roll singer and my parents didn't like it. That's because their parents had no idea what that was. It didn't seem like their version of success because uh, to them it uh, came out of it. Um, let's go over to uh, Mike. Mike, you're manifest. Andre Agassi wrote in his book that he hated tennis, but his dad forced him to play it. Now, again, how is that different than most people's parents of what they have them do? Um, if you want to get good at things, you have to specialize and do it over and over and over perfectly. Uh, are you better now than when you start radio? Um, probably not with my mental state, no. Oh, all right. Well, I think if I went back and listened to the first tapes that I ever went on radio with, I'd be like, quit, quit. You're fucking hideous. You have the wrong delivery, blah, blah, blah. And most people are like that. Most people don't have your thing of peaking early and then the uh, whatever's going on with you. But most people have to do things over and over and over. Um, Jason, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, Ron and Fez. Hey, Sarkey, was there something when you are a child that you are forced into that you didn't like to do, you know, like comedy or, or presidential trivia? Uh, no, I wasn't pushed into either one of those. But that's where you got the appreciation from your dad. Right, yeah. So, again, that is also him not forcing what he wants on you, but that's what you find out is the place that you're appreciated as a child. Now, sometimes, most of the times we get it from our parents. Sometimes uh, we get it from our buddies. It's the whole purpose that we have when a, when a kid that the colleges were were built out in the country, is let's take 
the parent, let's take this kid away from his parents. Let's take him away from the people who had this mold upon them uh, over so many years. Um, Greg, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, the Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers, covers this. Uh, he says, like, if you are good at something or everyone starts at the same level, one guy puts in a 1,000 hours, is not going to be as good as the guy who puts in 10,000 hours because, you know, you only get to 10,000 hours with the desire or with, you know, someone pushing you. It is, um, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. But if you look at the pop stars that we have now, and I won't even say that they're great artists because, quite frankly, uh, from my point of view, we don't, we like professionalism over art. In this country. That's why we have American Idol. We like some kind of molded professionalism. But the people that we have, Christina Aguilera, uh, Fergie, Justin Timberlake, uh, the Bieber, they all were pushed as children. They were all forced into a professional background as children, and now they are um, successful for it. Now, again, you could say, well, they're not happy or whatever. I, you know, you can expand this stuff all you want to. All I see this thing is, is another tool of what you do well, and it opens up your chance to pursue it. Dave, you're on my face. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. If you're a good parent, you introduce your kids to everything, sports, music, everything. Whatever they gravitate towards, then you focus on that. If you're, you're lucky if you have a parent who actually gives a crap about what you do. Some parents don't even give a shit. Yeah, but at okay. some level, if you want to be good at something... You have to be specific to that if you want to be the best in any field. So at certain levels, and we do this even with our college education, that you will constantly get more and more specific in an education as you move up the ranks. So the master's program is really basically one subject alone. So, yes, it does make sense to introduce people to as many possible ways a, it, it makes them an interesting person and it enriches their life. But it also finds out what are the things are you actually good at. Uh, Chris, you're on Run Fez. Uh, the last three jobs that I applied for had these personality slash attitude tests. And they're all confusing because you can lie on them or tell the truth. And they all give you the same results. And they're pretty accurate as to what you're good at and what you sh- will excel at in the future. So I don't really see a problem with it doing it for kids if it's going to kind of centralize them into one thing. Uh, what do you say to that, Fizz? I think a test like this puts a label on a kid before they've even been exposed to anything, where they get an athlete label, and that's what they're supposed to pursue before they've been exposed to stuff. Uh, do you act like they are going to be taken away from arts and general studies, and it's just not true. Because we don't have an educ, we have an educational system set up where a kid needs a certain amount of time to do everything. But then after school, is the kid going to play the piano, or is he going to play on the soccer team? Uh, people like to find out what their kids are good at and have them a chance. I don't even see this as a chance to even make um, professional athletes. Because I think most of us could pick out the people who've got a shot at being a professional athlete when they're a little kid. And quite frankly, it's pretty rare to, to run across. 
most of the time, if you go into any kind of um, Little League baseball field, you'd be just as likely to find a matador as you would a fucking future shortstop. They just don't show up. You just don't bump into these people. Punch, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, Ronnie. Welcome back, Fez. Um, if they're uh, finding out that there's an athletic gene, do you think that in the foreseeable future that they'll find the gay gene? And then will we raise our kids uh, as gay kids instead of waiting to find out? See, I think that's another thing where you would just wait and let a kid find his own way. I thought it was genetic. Well, if it's genetic, then it's going to be there anyway. You don't have to test it. But you said if it's genetic. Is it genetic or choice? No, I think I think it's, yeah, I think it's definitely genetic or hormonal. Mm. So why would anyone want to wait if that's their way to happiness? Here's uh, Kevin, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, this is something that, uh, that, that's gone on in, in the communist society, you know, for years, finding out from an early age what the, the kids excel at and then pushing them in that direction. That's how the doctors and the scientists and all that happen. And, you know, if we're going to compete on a global, a global level, I think it's pretty good that, that we adopt maybe that specific uh, trait to at least if we can identify maybe a kid in the inner city that wouldn't normally have the same advantages as, you know, maybe a well-to-do kid and he has this incredible aptitude for something specific, maybe, you know, push this child in that direction or help that child along. What is the problem with uh, pushing kids towards what they're good at? Um, I don't think they're because it it's going to close out other things that they may want to explore or may want to do. How do you figure that? How, how when they're eighteen, then they're free to do what they want to do, correct? Right. So why does their childhood have to be this entire open thing? It's always interesting to me how we act like children can't be pushed. Why wouldn't that be the time to test some pressurized stuff? Why wouldn't that be the time to learn teamwork? You know, maybe if they get it at an early age, they won't let their friends down. Maybe if they get it at the early age, when pressure comes on, they'll be able to step up and get it done. Maybe there has got to be something about the fact that we sit around and, and worry all the time about, oh, Childhood is is such an important thing. It's so fucking important to us now that people are living it up until they're 40. The fucking grown men are going to cartoons and becoming LARPers. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Rob. You're on the Run Fez show. Rob. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie? Um, I got, uh, my, me and my brother, we kind of grew up with, uh, Rick Porcello, and that kid was a monster. He was like 6'1", when he was like 13 years old, you know, so, I think that, that attitude test would, you know, probably benefit everyone. But it probably was somewhat interest, uh, like, obvious to all you guys that this guy's got a shot. Oh, absolutely. It was, yeah. it was, he was like, he, 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 he really wasn't good at anything else except baseball. Yeah, then, and that's what happens to most of us. When you have some of 
you know, great musicians, then they can't find their way to the airplane. You've got to have somebody take them over. There, You know, if you're running around doing fucking short cons on people, trying to people to invest stuff and then it'll disappear overnight, they target doctors and dentists because these guys have worked so hard in one area that they're completely oblivious to what street people do. If you really want to succeed, you need to specialize somewhat. Mike, you're on Running Fez. Hey, Ron, love the show. Fezzy, yeah. sorry about your loss. Welcome back. Um, you know, my parents kind of raised us like free-range kids. Um, and in a lot of ways, we were like I, I was sent to this academy where you were allowed to excel at your own pace and all that. You know what? My pace was bullshit. I needed that push. And I needed that shove in the right direction. And I recognized that. Um, because if we were allowed to go to the library or the media center or whatever, hell, you know, I, I wasted my entire uh, formative youth on bullshit, and I needed that nudge. So I direct my kids into sports. I put them everywhere they should be. You know, I mean, luckily for me, I'm I'm a success. My brother's a success, but I have one sister who uh, ended up hooked on heroin. I got another one that's in the middle of it. The other one got clean. But I mean, just being allowed to kind of roam and do your own thing, it's not necessarily the best route. The kids need structure and they need direction, period. Um, it's really uh, funny that we go back and forth on this all the time. Do the kids need structure? Do they need to be able to run around? And whatever we're doing, whatever you decide as a parent, that's when everyone will tell you later you did the wrong thing. That you should have. Um, you know, I've got this friend who... Uh, their kid has, I guess, some signs of this ADD. And the mother uh, is afraid about him uh, getting drugs, as you would, I think, if you had a little kid. The father who's made his money from creativity uh, has probably is the same kind of thinker. And I've known him for a long time. And when the things came up, I go, well, you know, look at his head. His head's all over the place. And that kind of what makes him uh, brilliant. And... His thing is, yeah, but what if my mom would have put me on drugs? Maybe I didn't become what I was supposed to be. So you will second-guess yourself forever. And unless you can live the same life two different times, you will never know what the right move is. We never fucking know. But I know this, becoming great at something... Um, I don't understand why people wouldn't have pride. If you have the opportunity to become great at anything, computer program, if you could become the best fucking Frisbee player in the world, why wouldn't you want to do it? If you could become the best juggler in the world, why wouldn't you want to do it? If you could be the best at anything, why wouldn't you want to know that at a young age and take your shot? Um, here's Bob, you're on Fez. Yeah. Yeah, Fez needs to realize that parents need to be pushing their kids. Because, uh, like, when I was a kid, I, when I was in the fourth grade, I, I was reading at a 12th grade reading level. And they, my parents just let me do what I wanted to. By the time I was 10, I was so bored with school shit. I was smoking pot, drinking, and all that shit, you know. And then I started uh, using my knowledge to uh, to further my uh, criminal activity instead of doing the stuff that I should have been doing. And it, uh, it turned out okay, I guess, you know. But it probably would have been a lot different. Um, let's talk to our buddy, Danny Flips. Danny, how are you? Hey, Ronnie B., Fez and Larry. Uh, I grew up 
doing gymnastics, and pretty much when you're a gymnast as a kid, you have no life. Like, you pretty much live at a gym, and pretty much most of my childhood memories are being at a gym. But in having that, I get to, I travel the world performing, tumbling for people like that, and uh, it's it's amazing. So, you know what? Screw my childhood. Who gives a shit? And now, at the time, did you feel like, I'd like to go swimming, I don't want to be at the gym all the time? Um, most of the times I really wanted to be at the gym. Like, I just, that's all I wanted to do. Mm. But I, I, there was one point I wanted to play hockey, and I had a coach tell me, he goes, he, he brought me aside and he goes, look, kid, you're never going to play hockey ever. You're not, you're, you can't skate, you can't skate backwards. And you know what? It was a great thing because I got out of that and I started going to the gymnastics a couple more days a week. And then, I don't know, that's my profession now. Sounds great. Now, here's a very interesting thing, Fez. Everybody likes hockey, right? Okay. You like yep. to play street hockey and all. Where do, where do most hockey players come from? Canada. Well, not necessarily true anymore, but uh, for this it works. It comes from places where you can start skating when you're two years old. And your family skates and everybody likes hockey. You can't pick up hockey at 14. You can't go to yourself at 18... I've decided what my real dream is. I want to be a hockey player. Doesn't go down that way. You look at Jack Black. There's commercials of him when he was five, six years old. He was on TV then. Everybody acts like, oh, he's this fucking wild stoner dude. No. He was fucking focusing on his acting career since he was a little kid. We want to believe all this shit. But a lot of times, which is great, too, is if you learn that discipline, you can take it somewhere else in life. Now, now I, yesterday uh, at, on the after show, I was telling everybody, I want to get the – I want two things pushed tomorrow. I want sleeves contest pushed. I want Mikey Boy's uh, contest pushed. I want you to come up with new bits and how we can get out there and make it fun. Here we are, 1 o'clock. Neither, neither thing has made it. There's the fucking lack of discipline. And it sure isn't coming down to, uh, oh, you know, fear and reward, because that has nothing to do with it. The fact is, everyone put it out of their mind. Everybody forgot, didn't show up today. And that's a lack of discipline that we'll talk about uh, after the show. Uh, you can go over to 202 Friends for both these contests. Uh, your chance to... Uh, Get a chance to tour serious. You sit in for an unmasked, and Fez Watley will give you a tour. I believe it's up to $500 right now. $500. Uh, and also, Sleeves Contest is up. That's over at 202 Friends. Sleeves has been a great friend to us all here on uh, the Ron and Fez Show and 202. And he's actually a, a fantastic artist, and I'd love to see him... Uh, get the recognition that he deserves. So head over to 202 Friends where you can vote on that. Now, we're going to take a break here. We're going to be back in a few moments with a lot more, including something that's been driving Pepper Hicks crazy. And I told him that he'd be able to get it off his chest. It's his chance in the spotlight. Pepper, you, can you hold it to then, or you just want to say the one thing that's bothering you most? I'm freaking out right now, but maybe I can hold till afterwards. But this whole... Uh this this just this, the ridiculousness of NPR and the Tea Party stuff. I don't know if you've heard about it. I heard a little bit about it, but you know more details than me. Yeah, I got some deets. We'll be right back. He's blowing the lid off of it. Once again, it's an in-depth journalistic study. 
by our own Chris Stanley. Uh-huh. NPR, Tea Party, They Meet. Coming at you. Yeah. What happens? Life. That's what happens. Right back after the Jump Run and Fez show. Back with the Ron and Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Technical difficulty with the Delect computer. They're saying that uh, Rob Lowe is now one of the choices to replace Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half Men. Where did we hear that first, uh, Hicks? Right here. Right here on the Ron and Fez show. That's right. Looks like someone's listening in, huh? Mm. The Fat Cats over at CBS or NBC. I can never get the place right. Warner Brothers. It's CBS. You had it right the first time. You just right. stopped believing yourself. <laughs> Um, I so I caught the last scene's corner last night. I just figured I'd tune in just for the fuck of it. Since how many people were watching? Just see um, yeah, it was it was like just under sixty thousand. All right, so he's lost forty percent of his audience. Yeah. since he started this. Yeah, and he went on for eight minutes, and it was pretty weak because he was obviously reading off of a teleprompter or a script. Mm. I really liked him when he was just more freeform. This is petering out. It's become a horrible idea. Yeah. And those days of $2 million a week are over. Mm-hmm. But if you don't work at something, if you don't fucking put yourself into it, here's what happens. Not only you drag down yourself, but everybody else around you. And now he's mad at John Cryer? Yeah, he's pissed at Cryer, calling him like a uh, turncoat, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Tiger Blood. For not being on his side. F-18, bro. Mm. You know, every fucking catchphrase you can throw at him. Right, because you go crazy, everybody else needs to fucking drown. Everybody else should fucking suffer. And Charlie Sheen, of course, has a fucking cushion. You ever hear of the Cryer family? Are they fucking famous? Oh, the old money Criers? Yeah, the Cryer brothers. <laughs> that fucking guy is fucked in the head right now. Yeah. He's fu- he got fucking raped by somebody that he trusted. All right, so what's uh, up on the uh, NPR? Okay, so this this broke, I think, I don't know, last yesterday or so. It's been in the works that the senior vice president of fundraising of NPR, uh, Ron Schiller, is in a shitload of trouble because he got basically a sting operation fucking thrown at him by this guy, James O'Keefe, who, I don't know if you remember, it was a big deal in New York of the uh, acorn getting busted. Yeah. But they sent those fake people in to say they were pimps or whatever. And host. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so this guy's like a political activist, and he uh, he's trying to just basically punk all these fucking political organizations that he doesn't agree with. So he put two guys up to say they were part of the Muslim Education Adult Center Trust and go meet with this guy from NPR, Ron Schiller, the vice president of fundraising. Mm-hmm. And he had some choice things to say about the uh, Tea Party, and I have the audio. All right, let's take a listen. Yeah. The current Republican Party, but particularly the Tea Party, is fanatically involved in people's personal lives and very fundamental Christian, and I wouldn't even call it Christian. It's this weird evangelical kind of move. The current Republican Party is not really the Republican Party, but it's been hijacked by this group. That is radical, racist, Islamophobic, tea-parting people. And not just Islamophobic, but really, I mean, basically, they are, they are, they believe in sort of white 
middle America gun toting. I mean, it's pretty scary. They're they're seriously Well, we've seen like certainly how. Yeah. So he's fucking just slamming the Tea Party. So the main thing now, why is this a major deal? Because I see the head of NPR was forced to shut it down. Yeah, they yeah they just they they just resigned too. So it's a fucking huge thing for this guy. Though he was kind of led. I mean, in the middle of that, you hear the guy with the Indian accent saying, you know, jump in, say Islamophobic, xenophobic, racist. Well, here's the weird thing, and I know that it's NPR and you want them to be better and they're a government thing. But he's the sales guy, the money man. The sales guy here will tell you anything you want to hear if they can make a deal. I've never met a sales guy who wouldn't say anything they, that they want to get a buy to go down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this guy wanted that Muslim Brotherhood money to get, you know, because, you know, the Muslims need to, you know, more you know, place on radio in America, et cetera, et cetera. You ever see any of that? You ever see any Muslim programming on any of this stuff? <laughs> they don't lie. Al- Al- now, radio it really series? comes down to this. And I know Dave works for NPR now. Mm-hmm. But do we really need this now that there's so many options with radio and television? When you first went, when we first got stuff like Sesame Street, right? There wasn't any real outlet for that. They were in front of it. The real beef with these folks now. And having said this, I'm a fan of the PBS stuff and a lot of the NPR stuff. I think, I think they do some great work. The the people that are against them are coming up to the fact: Do we really still need this kind of fundraising? And then, you know, government spending to go into this. Hicks, what's your initial on this? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I think NPR, I mean, they don't need, they don't need, it doesn't have to be publicly funded anymore. It's, I feel like it's more of like a private organization at this point, even though they are getting plenty of money. And even, someone even came out and said, we don't need, we don't want public, uh, public funding. Uh, they, well, they the NPR something. here was just running a big thing for uh, a while, like a week of this, let's raise money. And it seems crazy to me. I mean, we have the internet, and you can find anything you need there, and it's pretty kind of accessible, at least mm. still. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Steve, you're on the Run Fez Show. Hey, Ron. Hey, listen, the Tea Party was started by Ron Paul. It really was a grassroots organization. But what's happened is... It's been hijacked by large corporations who have given them large amounts of money and funded them to fight against things that, that are ultra-right, to far right than they were before. If they have a purity test, if their purity test was held to Ronald Reagan, he couldn't hold up to their standards today. So what so, is, but, but everything that they're doing is pretty much legal as far as the Tea Party goes, right? Uh, yes, it is, but they are propagandists. If you check some of the things that they say, it only goes back to websites by them or for them. Right, Nothing but, but else. here's the thing. But, you are free whether you want to buy into somebody's propaganda or not. It just in the same exact way if somebody says they make the best peanut butter, but that's up to you to decide whether they do or not. Well, Ron, what they're also doing is that they also are going after education. Because in their mind, if you're educated, you're more likely to think liberally 
and not the way they want you to think conservatively. So they're trying to control thought also. But and when have we ever, well, first of all, this is very I important. Know. When have we ever appreciated smart people in this country? Never. Adelaide Stevenson, they ran against him because he was an egghead and not a regular, you know, good old GI type of guy like Eisenhower. Um, we have always, always had trouble with uh, bright people. Um, here's uh, Kyle. Kyle, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, hey, Ron. Um, getting back to the NPR and, and, and the, the, the funding for it, the government absolutely should continue to fund uh, NPR and, and, and kick in some tax subsidies for it. If you look at the, the news, the, the news corporations that we have in this country, I mean, the, the, the corporate news sucks. And then you look at the, the some of the more trusted ones worldwide. I mean, you just had Hillary Clinton say that Al Jazeera was one of the most trustworthy news networks in the world, that's almost completely funded by the government of Qatar. The BBC is the same way. The, the British still fund that. So I think it's good that we continue to take some ownership over some news organization because CNN, Fox, MSNBC, the corporate news is just garbage. All right. Well, let's go over. where, where do, Who does the funding for NPR and public TV? Well, I think the biggest problem with the Tea Party is that the U.S. government kicks in a lot of subsidies to to fund the programming for that. I right, think now, that's here's a gentleman uh, in mass that disagrees with you. Here's Jared. Jared, you're on Yeah, Ronnie, uh, the federal government actually has no direct funding to NPR. Uh, NPR, the national organization, uh, is funded on the national level from the Corporation of Public Broadcasting. They get about 10% of that, of their overall funding from the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, which also provides to PBS. But in terms of direct taxpayer dollars, uh, being earmarked specifically for NPR, specifically for PBS, that's not how it works. Like 50% of all of NPR's funding comes from individuals and businesses. So it's, it's, the, it, the, the Tea Party or anybody who wants to cut national or federal funding of public broadcasting, there's really nothing there to cut anyway. Um, all right. Thank you so much for that here. Uh, let's keep this rolling around. Here is Mark. Mark, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, buddy. You sound like yeah. a million bucks. Yeah. Hey, the problem I have is not with the Tea Party back. Who cares? That's just politics. BS 101. The problem I have is when the guy from NPR talks about him being intellectual and how much smarter he is than the rest of the country and no. how the elites need to be uh, more outspoken. All right. Now, this is very interesting to me when you use the term elite. Who are we talking about when we say elite? That I, To me, I, I don't know who the elite would be, but apparently to him, it would be like-minded people that are like but what what do you when you when someone says to you the elite people are trying to do something who do you think that they're talking about when i when i hear elite i'm thinking politicians all right so you honestly think that the politicians are elite and uh, why is that why would they be the elite because they're the ones that go to the coffers of the everyday man so you think that all politicians both sides of the party are elite and they're stealing money out of our pockets. It's not so much as stealing as much as we are giving, hoping to ride on their coattails one form or the other. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Uh, I don't think that's what they mean when they say elite. I don't think they say elite. If someone said to you, elite, what do you picture? Um, maybe some old money people who who just have a lot of privileges in life. I'd say that's elite. Who would you say you're talking about with the elite? I would say oil companies. I don't think that you guys pay any attention at all to the things that people are talking about. Because we don't, we do not refer to those people. So when Fox News said that they're tired of elitism, and when Sarah Palin says she's tired of the elites, you honestly think that they're talking about the oil companies? No fucking way. Uh, they're talking no about way at all. Fucking liberals and. And what is it about liberals that makes them elite? It's the interesting thing here. Uh, Mo, you're on the Running Face Show. Yeah, it's Mo. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, Sesame Street alone brings in uh, three to six hundred million dollars a year, something crazy like that. But I disagree with the other caller. The the elite, you know, the one percent. You know, the politicians are servants. You know, mm. they're they're really working for us. Right, but when but when anyone talks about the elite, they are not talking about that one percent of. You know, no one ever calls Donald Trump an elite. No one ever calls the Steinbrenners the elite. Never happens that way. So who are the elite? Give it a thought. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Andy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, I was telling the screener, you know, every day I'm in the car, eight hours a day, driving around Cleveland for my job, and I listen to you guys. ONA and NPR. It is a weird triumvirate. It's kind of odd to go back and forth between ONA and Diane Rehm. But um, she just had a, uh, a guest on her show talking about the same topic today, of course. And they, the guy mentioned one thing, is that the amount of money that the government would save um, to, by cutting the funding for NPR and, and, and the Corporation for Global Broadcasting, to actually make any kind of sizable dent they would have to cut them like 1,000 times. It is strictly a political move. It is, the, it is the right wing trying to take another chunk, just like they're doing with the unions in the other states, trying to take another chunk out of something that they believe is a bastion for the left. Very, very interesting. Here's Ken in Texas. You're on Run Fez. Yeah, I believe that uh, the funding of NPR is principle of artists. Uh, like, we shouldn't be funding artists. Artists should survive our own while... It's just a visual art, and it should be sponsored on its own. If people want to watch NPR, they should pay for it. Not, it's, it's not, it's there the has never been a great society in history that did not support the arts. Never. There has never been, when we go back and the stuff that we see in the museums that represents was never represented by private money. It was. It has always come from two places. It has come from government or the church, and both of them were tied together in the early days. Ken, who are the elite? I'm sorry, sir? Who are the elite? The elite are the, uh, I would say, the university professors uh, uh, along those lines, people with tenure in the university. There's the winner. Way to go, Ken. That is the point. You'll see um, Fred Leibowitz talking about this in her documentary. When they talk about the elite, they're talking about educated Ivy League people who want to tell you how to live. That is the false enemy now. That is the enemy that somehow some kind of educated 
professors are polluting your children's heads and wanting to take away your guns and your right to believe in Jesus. That is the thing that we're supposed to fear. That is the thing that we're supposed to be afraid of. Nate, in Georgia, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I've got another uh, definition of elites, according to Fox News. People who can read above a seventh grade level uh, because they are more apt to think freely. And when they're given a bunch of so-called facts, they can actually stop, think, or research for themselves. Because mm. they can actually, rather than getting, like, just... And this goes for both sides of the political spectrum. Rather than just accepting what's uh, fed to them constantly. But that that's who I see as uh, Sarah Palin considering, or for example, an elite. Yeah, because, let's face it, the person that you want to be president is the guy that you'd want to go to a barbecue with, that you want to have a beer with. Regular person, much like yourself. <laughs> um, here is uh, Ezra, your manifest. Hey, Ron. The elite have attitudes that they are superior to the rest of us, and that, and they know how to live our lives better than we do, and spend our money better than we. So do. would you would you say that the elite are 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 priests, are ministers, the people who say here's where morality is? Because I never see them being called the elite. I never have once heard uh, a Donald Trump who is now talking about running for president and has all this money. I've never heard him call elite. I've never heard Sarah Palin called elite. I've never heard any of the Fox News guys called the elite. But it's they, this strange thing that seems to be no one actually fucking represents it. There's never this thing of, oh, here's the elite. It's just they. Ambiguous fucking organization. Um, Here's our friend, the Blowhards. You're Ron Fez. You know, Ronnie B., the, the one great thing about NPR, and I listen to NPR, uh, I've even donated in the past at WNYC here in New York. It is probably the last bastion of local radio. Uh, when you listen to commercial radio, everything's syndicated. Uh, if I want to hear about New York's local issues, I know there's a guy like Brian Lara who's on at 10 a.m. and he's on again at 1 a.m. I know there's Leonard Lopate and some of these great now, local Blower, shows. Do you, do you see yourself as being a liberal? Uh, on some issues, very liberal. But I, don't, I think the liberal conservative thing, and we've talked about this many times, is like pro-wrestling. Mm. I think that when you just say, oh, he's a liberal or he's a conservative, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, if I have to choose, I'm just somebody who believes in people's rights for freedom i believe in free i'm very big on advocacy for free speech um, but when people attack the tea party with sweeping generalizations you can do the same with the left with george soros and move on.org i think it's great that people are getting involved politically i but getting back to npr well, let's go through that uh, Hicks, you see the tea party is a good thing um I guess not, no. I guess you see the Tea Party is a good thing? No, I don't see it as well, a good you thing. you disagree, you're not, but... I, I kind of disagree with them, but also see it as a good thing. I, I like to see thing. people... I agree with Blowhard. I like to see people out there expressing themselves. We haven't had political activism like this since the Vietnam War. 
And sure, it attracts a lot of kooks. But what really annoys me is when people say, oh, they're all racist or they're all carrying guns and they're all... Look, people like Sarah Palin, Michelle Bachman, they're cartoon characters, okay? They're not serious people. They're never going to be president. And the media likes to portray them as the same way the media portrays Al Sharpton as the leader of all black people. It's just sensationalized. But when people are angry and don't want to pay for the taxes that they're being paid, that's being paid and the cut of the, and, and just mismanagement of government, why not have a tea party and be pissed off and take to the streets? The same way if you're a supporter of uh, MoveOn.org or even some of the, in New York City, a lot of the gay rights organizations that protest. I mean, dissent is a great thing. And public radio is that one place I can go without people yelling in each other's face. I might not agree with what I hear, but like I said, local radio is dying in New York. I don't know about the rest of the country. I, I appreciate it, Blowhard. Let's go over here to Mike in Queens. You're on the Run Affairs show. Hey, I agree that we should be supporting the arts and uh, public broadcasting, but NPR, I don't really think, can be considered left-wing. It's pretty moderate, and to frame the debate in this way undermines the left-wing. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, moderate is about as left-wing as you could get in this fucking country right now. As somebody like Obama, who supports big business the way he does, but and who hasn't done anything to bring the fucking troops back from the war that a lot of people supported. He hasn't made a single fucking move. Guantanamo is still going on. All the things that so many of the left-wing people were upset about, he hasn't delivered jack shit to them. He's about as fucking liberal as George Bush, the way I'm taking a look at him. And yet, we frame him as if he's a liberal. So that's as far as we go. Just in the same ways that if you were really and truly a conservative... Uh, George Bush is making the government bigger and bigger and bigger during his terms, not doing anything about the abortion stuff when he uh, had those people behind him. Um, you would be just as frustrated. You would be just as frustrated. I'm glad to see the Tea Party out there. I want to see, I would like to see tons of fucking parties because the two that we have now are not fucking uh, delivering. Um, Greg, you're on the Run and Fez show. Uh, Ronnie? Yeah. All right, buddy. Uh, just to dovetail now, why would you want to limit your sources of information? If you're right wing and you're against NPR, wouldn't you want to use that as fodder for your arguments? Or, I mean, I don't understand why people. It, it is a very, it is a very, very funny, uh, point that you bring up. And if you're the Republican Party, and you look at Fox News, you have to also say to yourself, how much money does Glenn Beck raise for the fucking liberals? Because all they have to do, and they can fall into Fez's slippery slope argument that he made today with the, oh, if you get one kind of test, then this will happen, then this will happen, then this yeah. will happen. That fear-based stuff that you fall into. I, I could walk into... A bunch of fucking liberals with money play a Glenn Beck show where he's writing crazy shit on a chalkboard and not say a word. Just hold a big bag open and let him throw cash into it. Yeah. I would rather see the fact that 
more and more parties would start to spring up because I can't get over the two that we have right now. I don't even see that happening, though. I mean, I'm surprised the Tea Party got hold. They got hold. Like, I, when did the Green Party start? I mean, does the Tea Party have a bigger presence than the Green Party ever um, did? Yeah, I mean, that's right the only now, one I remember. Other than right now, they've got some more things. But you, you are correct in using the way of when you are talking a, about a third party in this country, it couldn't be any lower. But here's the weird thing for you. Um. Start and mention some cola companies. Uh, Pepsi, Coke, fucking RC Cola, Diet Dr. Pepper. They're all owned in, but RC is the second of the colas, right? Yeah. What percentage of the market do they have? Talk about a third party. (laughs) And the way that they do that is because Coke and Pepsi, these two competitors, split up everything equally between the two of them. (sighs) And that's what the Democrats and the Republicans do. So in one way, they're competing... For this, you know, four or five percent that might go back and forth, but the other ninety some percent between the two of them is split evenly. Yeah, not going anywhere. And loved. Um, here is uh, here's uh, Grunt. Grunt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, yeah, hey, Ronnie, hey, Fez. Um, yeah, I just want to tell you on the. I guess the far left side, you know, they want they want to prop up free speech and everybody's rights, but the minute you disagree with them, they're going to turn around and uh, chop your head off and and uh, degrade you as much as possible. Well, whose head have they chopped off, and who are we talking about? Give me a specific case. All right, they want to, they just want to preach and tell you how to live live our lives. For instance. Uh, Let's go back to uh, Al Gore. He's your typical liberal. He wants to tell everybody in the world how to live, and you must live his way, or else he's going to shut you up. And you see that differently than the right-wing preachers and the right-wing politicians? Well, the right-wing politicians, they they don't care if you uh, smoke dope and... Name what, George Bush? George Bush was in, in favor of you smoking dope. George Bush was in favor of you... Uh, being able to have an abortion? No. Everybody comes in with their own agenda. And I will agree with you totally on the hypocrisy on the fucking left when it comes to free speech issues. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves. There's no doubt about it. Um... 866 run 0 866-RUN-0-FEZ. Anthony, you're on the run of fez show. Yeah, hey, Ronnie, I want to agree with you. Uh, we have two parties in the government. It's either Republican or Democrat, and how much stuff gets stalemated or doesn't get passed through because uh, we need two more Republican votes. You know, it's, if there was a third party or if, if the Congress people and the Senate didn't worry about going against their own party all the time, thinking how it's going to screw up their political career, just think of how much stuff could that could help this country would get passed instead of just getting held up in uh, with red tape. It would be interesting. Brian Stanford, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Yeah. I just wanted to mention two quick things. One, the Tea Party isn't really a political party like Democrat or Republican. They're more of a movement of people. or a, They're a movement like of a Republicans, right? Mostly Republican. There's Democrats involved, and there's you know other different so parties. So let me ask you this. Liberal, but do, do they want control of the Republican Party? No. What do they, they want? want? 
they want the government to understand that they're spending too much money, they're getting too carried away with a lot of things that the Constitution says. Now, here's the interesting thing. Where was the Tea Party under the Bush years? This uh, is what starting to get angry. This is, what frust- at the end of Bush. this is what frustrates me in this country. You don't see the Tea Party during the Bush years. You don't have the anti-war people during the fucking Obama years. It's I, I, frustrating I as shit. That's half untrue, though, it, because part of it is we only know when things are going on when the media tells us. But they were actually starting to pop up during the end of the Bush years because of a lot of things Bush did with spending money. I think they had plenty of time there, and it would have been incredibly dramatic and would would have felt incredibly open to more people around the country if they would have had the balls to say we put bush in office and he didn't deliver the shit that he was going to promise but the fact that the tea party just pops up as we have a our first black president that's going to fucking you know that's going to shadow you with a lot of people. If you would have been around for a couple of years, first of all, doing that same gimmick, I think it would have went well. All right, we do have to uh, break here. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and let's come back with a sleep song. It's Run a Fish Show. You got a phone. Oh, you're all alone. Man, you're stoned. Call. Listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Period 197, XM202. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It's the Ron and Fez show. On uh, we're trying to figure out what today is. What is it, Hicks? Today's Wednesday, Hump I, Day. I thought yesterday was Wednesday. No, today's Wednesday. I got my uh, my days mixed up here. Oh no! Uh, there's Rob middle. Cross coming by. Oh, Rob Cross. What is there a, a production thing right around there? <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple right around the corner here. There's a couple produce, produce, production booths. Yeah, what do they work on during the day? Like, I know one thing: the PDs love production here. Imaging, focusing yeah. a lot on the imaging. What are the imaging that we have on the sleeves contest? And what's the imaging that we have right now on uh, Mikey Boys? No imaging on those two things. No, we had the big meeting about that yesterday, right? Yes, we did. Everybody was like, "Hmm." Yes. All right. Yeah. I just want to, is that the meeting is let's just wait and let, let Ron burn out. No. 
Hicks, look at me right now. I'm looking. I want you to understand something. It ain't you. I don't know. It's it's you're 100%. Now, I did text you last night that that movie was a hard turd. I, I don't know how to respond to those things. <laughs> the other day, I, I sent you the other thing that you had me watch was soft shit. And last night's was a hard turd. I like I like that, though. I mean, yeah. I was sad that you had to sit through it. No, it was actually a very uh, fun night for me because I saw it turn on the people that were promoting it. Oh, man. Um. By the way, let me just tell you the Cincinnati Jazz, uh, they call it week of the Great American Zero, said this, and he's very political. He said, Tea Party, more like P Tardy. And there is some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can take the words, rearrange them slightly, and become a wit. I yeah. think he's taught us that over the years. And make the Tea Party look like dicks. Mm. Well, Fez, I want to get you in this today. I know you're trying to work your way back. Uh, you want to do some elevator talk? I know you love to talk about the elevators. Oh, elevators, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Not so much the elevator, which I'm afraid of, but the people on the elevator. Didn't get the chance to read the thing yet, but I'll read it to you. Um, this says, Dear Ron and Funk, here's the thing that people do. They walk up to the elevator that other people are clearly waiting for. They look up or down button to see that it's already been pressed. And then they physically cannot stop themselves by pressing the button again. It's like they had it in their mind they were going to press the button and simply have to do it. I see it happen all the time and it kills me. I'm going to one up from there because I don't think you do just press the button. You hit it twice. Like this last person did a very bad job of pressing Mm -hmm. the button. Let me give it a couple of bumps. Yeah, and even maybe just hold it for different amounts of time, because maybe they didn't push it for long enough. And, Fez, you also, you had a thing that you talked about. You said people tend to get, like, die in an elevator. We, we are in the dots of a die. Oh, yeah, yeah, where if you're going into an elevator, there really should be a uniform way to stand. Now, I've been paying attention, and Fez wants it to be, like, on any... uh Die or dice, if anybody is unfamiliar with the singular for dice. Um, so as the dots line up on a dice, that's how Fez would like us to stand. Now, since you brought that up, I've been watching it. People will do that except for any kind of central piece. Uh, four people will definitely go to four corners, mm-hmm. but... If there are, let's let's take a look at the three dice. Um, I don't think that we'll ever get into a situation where that person will stand diagonally in the middle. What you will get there is three corners. You get an L shape. Yeah, but I watched the other day. Now I was in an elevator uh, the other day. We all get on together here on this floor. We're in the three corners. It was me, a woman, and a man. Man in the four corner woman behind me as he gets off like on 28 or wherever they go she without being coaxed nothing came up moved off of my side and went to the far corner so we would become the two die um but it made me now normally i wouldn't feel like into it but i'm like hey that's just like fez said with the dice but then i thought to myself bitch no one's gonna fucking rape you stop acting like you need a little more room or I'll hit fucking stop on this right now. 
Why is she so paranoid? That by the way, the, with the uh, Japanese fantasies, the elevator rape is gigantic for them. Oh yeah, they like that. That and subway rape, they just can't get enough. Well, it's subway molestation. I don't know whether that's a full rape, is it? No, I guess it's just grabbing some ass and pussy or whatever. And they do that in real life, and then videotape it. Yeah, and then jack off to it later. Hmm. Uh, Our subways. Uh, good luck trying to find somebody you want to molest. It's dicey down there. Let's go over to Kevin. You're on Ron and Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, not to be picking at details, but the dots on a dice are called a pip, like uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. That's where it comes from. Is that where that name comes from? Yeah, those are called oh. the pips on a die. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. I love that term, and I'm going to use it more. And I'll just say when we're playing anything that has dice, how many pips are up? I can't see. What's the number of pips? Uh, Luke, you're on a fez. Hey, buddy. Um, I like to, uh, when I'm in a crowded elevator, I'm the last person on. I like to stand with my back to the doors facing into the elevator. So everyone is now facing me, and it makes everyone horribly uncomfortable. I've done that before, and I've done the uh, just moving in between two people and facing one mm-hmm. just um, for people- fun. People just shift, uh, they, you know, they, they start shifting from foot to foot. They can't, they can't take it. You know, the interesting thing that I was noticed, and I don't, I don't want to come off as prejudiced, but what would you say the ethnic background of the people who run the carts down here on the street is? Oh, um, Middle Eastern. Arabic, we'll just say Arabic Egyptian. of some type. Their ability, their personal space is much less than ours. I watch them be right on top of each other doing stuff without freaking out the way we do. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, when, they're, when they're in the fucking halal meat carts, there's like three guys just fucking standing right next to each other. Yeah, and they can turn around and they're on top of each other and they're very, very comfortable with it. Where we, on the other hand, we like as much space as we possibly can. And that's just why Fez seems to need say, think, seems to think that we need space even on, a, on an elevator. That what little space we get, we need all of it. Uh, we're going through this in the planes now too. Where, where is it acceptable to put your arm? I mean, let's face it. When you're in between two seats, oh. that one fucking bar doesn't separate you enough. Uh-uh. People are too big now. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. Um, Pat, Detroit, Irma Fez. Yeah, the guy might have been right about a die uh, being a pip, but. Uh pretty important person is what Gladys Knight and the Pips were about. I had no idea that's what that was supposed to mean. I think it was like you're a fucking Pip. Remember there was all, like the old people would call somebody a Pip? Mm-hmm. I well, thought it was just like a meant. stupid thing old people said. Uh, Fez, anywhere else in life that you need more room, just not elevators, any more li- places that you'd like to have some kind of continuity the way things are done? Well, I think that there, you know, no one follows the advice when getting on a plane of, you know, moving into a row and letting someone else get by. I mean, that, I mean, to me, that should almost, if you're going to sit there they, and block the aisle like that. They worry about putting their, their stuff up. Mm-hmm. You, what you should do is get a stand-up comedy routine on plane etiquette. No one's ever done it before. You're blowing the lid off. Let me ask you this, Fez. What's the deal with those little peanuts? Comedy Central presents. What is there, three peanuts in here? Would you like another pack? 
No, I'm full. And do you have something I could open these peanuts with? I wish the plane was made out of this same stuff. It's difficult. Never thought of it like that before. What's with the two-fingered pointing, Fez? One finger doesn't work out well enough? I think also in any sort of line. There should, you know how that on the conveyor belt, when, like if you're buying groceries or something, they have those little things that they stick in between orders. Mm -hmm. They should have those between people. Oh, you're going to like this story. I had to go to the store the other night. I never go to the store. Like the supermarket? Yeah, to the supermarket. That's just not my job. Mm -hmm. Now, some, uh, there was a birthday cake being uh, cooked, blah, blah, blah. Ooh. We need some 10x sugar. Hey, it's raining. Don't anybody move. Ronnie B's on his way to the store. Hero. All if I go to the store just to buy 10x sugar and I'm back on the streets. Yeah. I used to smoke cigars in that time. So oh. I thought it would give me a little opportunity to smoke going back and forth. Yeah. How's that going? Uh, I'm freaking the fuck out today. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't even have smoked a cigar by now. Yeah. But I had one in my hand, as yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I've been chilling on the end of it and I'd be feeling good about myself. Mm -hmm. No. This is awful. I'm worried. So uh, the woman in front of me at Christides, she's starting to be rung up. She don't have a fucking purse. She don't have her little pocketbook thing. Mm -hmm. Her husband has it. She starts fucking going crazy. Calls, can't reach him. She's just sitting there with her stuff in the fucking thing. Oh. I'm amazed by the story. I'm going like this. I feel like a regular person doing regular person shit, I said to her. <laughs> Why? You said that straight to her? She was just fucking not knowing yeah. what to do with her groceries? Yeah. I go, you're quite the fuck up, aren't you? I go, I got my 10x sugar right here. Got my $2. Got my cash, lady. And before you know it, I'm going to have some lovely chocolate icing on a birthday cake. And what are you going to do? You're still going to be there holding up the fucking line, making everyone pissed off. Here's an interesting story. Birthday cake came from the Clinton Street Baking Company, right? They, mm -hmm. have, they put out a little book. Mm -hmm. One of the items was left out of the birthday cake when you're fucking making it. What? So they will be getting a nice letter. I hope it's long and scathing. Mm -hmm. no, I don't ever do stuff that long. Um, it's a birthday cake. It's got to be perfect. Hold on. I got a nice note here from... I love that older people call people pips. My Italian uncle used to always call us pits. And what a pip. I yeah, like what it. a pip. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back every now and again. But people mistake it for pimp too much. It comes from her own Kathleen from the Bronx. That's boss. Who I heard a lovely story about Kathleen from the Bronx says the longest, most beautiful hair you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. she, cut, she cut it. How short? About a foot off. What? So it's probably now just up to her ass. Um, this is this is a shocker. Yeah, but while you're acting like it's awful, yeah, she took it, wrapped it around a cancer kid's head. Oh, good, good, good for Kathleen from the Bronx. A little. I want to get a picture of that cancer kid with that beautiful red hair. Yeah, I mean the, the kids they should send a picture. I mean, Jesus Christ, you're giving your hair it takes years to grow it out that long. I don't know why. Yeah. But there's some kid that's going to be so happy. Mm -hmm. Either they're going to give it to a kid with cancer or stuff it in a foot pillow. I don't know. Either way, it'll be doing good. It'll be a comfortable pillow. Uh, Phil, MPA, and I hope you're calling from Philadelphia. Uh, hey, guys. No, Scranton. Mm. You know, it started in Scranton a long time ago. What's that? The Pennsylvania polka. That's right. 
Hey, uh, I had a question about the etiquette of revolving doors. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're uh, you're late to get back to work. There's the office revolving door, not not the airport revolving door. Gotcha. Can you uh, double up on that, or is it one per person? Only if you have a child or a chick that's afraid of revolving doors. There's some people that they will go like this, like you're walking along, everything's normal, and they'll go like this. I am not going in that revolving door. And then they have some kind of lie story that once they saw, you know, when they were a kid, someone got their arm taken off in a revolving door. Never, yeah. The Godfather's about the worst thing that could happen. And even that, you're going to be waiting all day with a gun for the revolving doors so you can put the thing in there and shoot the guy? Just walk up and shoot him in the head. Yeah, does he need him fucking stuck someplace? John Wilkes, boot this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Our former intern, comedian Steve Tyson, tried to jump in the same compartment of a revolving door with me. First of all, there's no space to do that, so I don't know why you think so. Who, who tried to do this? Our former intern, Steve Tyson. And he jumped in, and the speed is not there, especially with someone like Steve Tyson, who isn't moving at lightning quick speeds. Oh, Steve Tyson's on top of it. So there was actually, so the thing actually slammed shut because he got caught between uh, compartments trying to jump in with me. So then I'm just basically in a glass funhouse booth because he's stuck and this thing isn't moving. True story? True story. Sounds it. Sounds literally like a true story. Steve Tyson was a bit awkward. Steve Tyson might have been the best thing that ever happened in this fucking show. Uh, If any of you people don't believe it. Oh! That's how I feel. Oh, God. Pizza party tomorrow, by the way. I invited them to have their pizza party in here. Thank you. We'll eat some of that pizza. Uh, But Iraq looked like he was very much onto it. I'll try and fucking work them in here. I'll, I'll no, try to. I don't even want to. No, I'm going to swing by later. I don't I'll want to just... look like I'm, I'm a pizza animal. Although, the day that we had pizza, if you remember, Roland came up, put his nose on the window. Right in that window right there. Yeah, I opened it up. The smudge is still there. I you... thought you liked Roland. I like Roland. Why you call him smudge face? Tell me another true story, Fez. Um, let's see. I don't think I have anything else on Steve Tyson. Well, it didn't have to be about no. him. About anything. Be about Scruffy. <laughs> Could be about uh, Scruffy, Scruffy, The Flash. Doesn't matter. Babyface. Uh, new Nico. girl. Nico. Little redheaded girl. Somebody called little redheaded girl to me the other day. New, 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 new girl. And I go, I don't even know who you're talking about. What? Now. No. Come on. They actually said to me, doesn't that person walk like the little redheaded girl? I go, who would remember that? I, it's it's so many fucking interns. So no more more true stories. How about you, Hicks? You got a true story? I, 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 actually, I did want to talk about something in Illinois. Is that okay? A little Illinois action. You from there? No, but I just read a, a very interesting uh, news story fr- coming out of there. A true news story? It's true. Yeah, this is true. There's no fakeness about this, I don't think. Uh, basically, they're saying that they want to stop people from taking pictures of, uh, of accidents. Uh, it's that it's apparently in Illinois. There's a huge problem that people are just constantly breaking out their Blackberries, iPhones, whatever, mm. and they're just and they're videotaping these fucking accidents. And the the lawmakers are like this can't be going on. They're taking pictures of crime scenes. They're not crime scenes, but just people with the well, guts hanging out or whatever. Um, remember the day I told you I saw the guy have the stroke on the street? Yeah, there was some people videotaping that. Yeah, and I had to. Literally fixed my hair before I went in and did the triage. 
that I was doing. You took time out before you helped him? Yeah. I take my fucking time. I want to look good if I'm going to go viral. Good enough on YouTube. And I actually, while I'm saving them, I'm going like this. Going viral, motherfucker! Holy shit. Now I, hope, I, want, I hope someone who's in the accident is allowed to take a picture of it, like for insurance purposes. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? This whole thing could be where this could end up where there's no cameras left. And people won't know who their children are anymore. Oh. Because we won't be able to see. Will we not have television, or is that gone? Yeah, we'll have television. It'll just be dark. Oh, that's not interesting at all. Yeah, that's called radio. So that's not fucking interesting. Thanks for hurting me. What? No, I figured if, there wouldn't be, if there's no videotaping, why would they fucking audio eyes it, too? I just said audio eyes. Mm-hmm. Christ almighty. You say audio eyes things, because that's fucking important to you. That's so not... what? So what? Brain's Don't melting. put yourself down. But people are crazy right now. Now, I'm going to tell a true story, but I'll um, I'll hide the names to protect the innocent. Oh. Because the innocent do need to be, be protected. But I'll put it this way. My friend was at a luncheonette. Okay. I'll call it a luncheonette. Not to specify what type of place it was. All right. uh, a woman was breastfeeding. Okay. He got gnarled and said to her, you got to cover up. This is a public place. Now, the woman is, of course, protected by law. Yeah. But according to him, he saw both titties. Both He's popped out? And it grossed him out while he was eating. Now, I know some people get grody from this, but I can honestly tell you, and maybe it's because, you know, I grew up with sisters and aunts that had kids. It never weirds me out. I know that it, it it's strange to some people. What about for you, Hicks? Oh, I don't mind it at all. I don't. Kids can be popped out whenever they want. I don't Even if there's a kid's attached to the nipple. To me... And I know Fez is on the other side of this, and we've been this before, but to me, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. But to the people who hate it, absolutely despise it. So let me check with the Zietz. Uh This is a young man who seems to be catching on, apparently in what he calls the Twitterverse. Mm -hmm. It's a universe of Twitter people, and I'll go, hey, what's going on? He goes, dude, the feedback from when I'm on with you. It's unbelievable. I go, oh, you mean phone calls? No, man. Tweets. And I'm like, what? He goes, the tweets it's all happening. So uh, have you saw a person breastfeeding in public? Yes, yes. And this might make your tweet of the day. or I don't know how that all works out. But is this something you despise seeing or is it okay with you? Well, I've actually changed my tune on it. I used to love it because, you know, you got to see some breasts even though there was a baby there, which was weird. But now, totally against it. It's fucking weird. What changed it for you? I, it's just, it's just like the. It depends actually on the situation. In restaurants, it's weird. On like the subway, it's too close. Like you're too close to people if they're doing it in the subway. I just like I understand it has to be done, but it just looks ridiculous and it's it's awkward to me. Now, the you know what a tit is for, right? Uh, for breastfeeding. Yeah, to primarily breastfeed. And nothing else, right? Mm -hmm. Now, these same people, if they were on a train and saw someone take a plastic bottle 
with a rubber nipple and push the milk from a cow's tit into a human baby would be like, oh, that's nice. Here, look. I mean, your thing of it's freaky, that in real life is the freaky part. Not only are you doing this, it's the fucking milk of another species. It's fucking insane. But we have so weirded out. It's like PDA at another level is the way I look at it. So you see it as a sexual act by saying it's a public display well, of affection. I, you I, are... know it's, I know it's not a sexual act. I know it's for nourishment, but I look at it in the same, like, I get the same uncomfortable feeling I would get if there was, like, a couple making out next to me. Um, yeah, but it's not making out. It's a baby eating. Dan, you're on Running Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I just want to know if the titty comes out, am I allowed to look at it? Because uh, I like looking at titties. Well, here's the thing. You can look as much as it would feel comfortable you looking at another diner or commenting on another diner uh, and no more. Um, so if Hicks, if you're there with your chick mm -hmm. and you two are just talking, but I'm sitting and just staring at your chick... You would become uncomfortable. Yeah, I'd be like, what the hell is this guy doing over now, there? Now, if I gave a quick glance, thought to myself, oh, she's attractive, then went back on my way, you wouldn't know it would be normal. But there is no reason for people to be sitting and staring as this is taking place. Um, let's go over to Josh. Josh, you're on Ronnie Fez. Yeah, uh, Ronnie, the, the reason why people breastfeed in public is because the baby's hungry and is going to be crying. So if they're breastfeeding, it's to keep the baby from crying. And the people that complain about the breastfeeding in public would be complaining about a crying baby in the restaurant. I will agree with that, that some of us just hate other people's babies. Um, and I can totally get behind that. I tend to mainly like the babies that have the same last name as me. They're my favorite babies. They're the, these babies can do nothing wrong. And then as they get less and less... Uh, related to me, I find them less and less adorable. Um, here is Chris. Chris, you're on Yeah, for one, I don't mind breastfeeding in public, but I was creeped out the one time when my cousin was over with her newborn, and I just walked in the house, I'm leaning over the couch, all close up to this baby's face, and everyone's laughing. I didn't even realize that my cousin was breastfeeding, and I was about two inches from her titty. Um, bit, but it was still creepy. So it was an uncomfortable day for you? Yeah, kind of. Um, Fez, what is it for you that you hate about the breastfeeding? I think that it's uh, it seems like a personal bonding act between mother and child, and I feel like even though it's a public restaurant, I have somehow intruded. It is not a bonding act. It is a it's a food act. It's like pissing or something. It's no, it's not like pissing. It's like feeding a baby food. It's like, no, it's like, I mean, as in pissing as in it's natural. It's just something here's that has to the happen. weirdest thing. You. And, and of course, Zito see this as some kind of, I know that you're not seeing it as sex, but you still see it as a sexual act when, if we were to be totally honest here, the breast is not a sex organ. It's not like there's a vagina or a penis out. It is a breast, and the reason... That we have breasts. Now, I understand people get gnarled. You're gnarled, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fez, you're gnarled? Very gnarled, yes. Now, at the same time, 
Could I say there are people in this country who go, I hate to see two gay guys eating together, or I hate to see a mixed couple eating together. Being gnarled or being offended does not mean that you're fucking right. Um, well, you, you say it's not a sex thing, but if it wasn't a baby and it was like a husband and wife and she was lactating, that would be fucking really weird. And so it's like if you... you yes, that's baby. why we don't have lactating like that. Just in the same way, it would be, even though you're holding your dick at the urinal, it would be weird if you were holding your dick in the middle of the room sure. or in the middle of the bathroom. Yes, you could start and change that. Just like... Hey, it's okay to make out with a with a chick, but not when she's two. What's that all about? You don't have to sit here and ponder this stuff. Um, here's Kurt. Kurt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I was just wondering if it's uh, coincidental that uh, the only two people with a problem with it there are uh, seem to be the ones with secrets. Um, there is that thing, and I don't blame them for that. Uh, but it does become a sexual act to them um here's jeff jeff you're on the run of fez show ron it's not so much that it's um it's disgusting it's it's like a time and place thing with me uh we were in a nice restaurant uh just outside of philly and it's a small eatery and this uh granola looking woman kind of popped her kid out and, and fed her kid but it was like it was late at night on on a saturday and why are you at like a nicer restaurant with your with your baby on a saturday night? what was the restaurant what time were you at I was in Haddonfield. Where? In Haddonfield, in South Jersey. And what was the name of the restaurant? Uh, little Tuna. All right, so the Little Tuna is a fine dining establishment. It's a, it's a nicer establishment, that's correct. Yeah. So you're in there and it's how late at night? Let's say 8 o'clock reservation. All right, so you would have been fine if it was 5 o'clock at the Burger King. I, I think it's a proximity thing because the tables are tight together you got this baby. You actually hear the baby sucking on that nipple. I mean, you know, it's. I, I think it was more of like a, a proximity. I didn't want to hear it. I'm trying to enjoy my uh, my little salmon steak. You know, it's 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 a proximity thing. So what you would say? Let's not do it in a nicer place. This is something. Let's face it. Wealthy people shouldn't have to be put up with. This is something for the nut draggers, the lower classes. Oh come on. The Stanley's of the world. Stanley's? That's what they're calling them now? When have you ever been in a nice restaurant? Oof. What's the nicest restaurant you've ever been in? Uh, I think I went to, I went to uh, Mesa Grill, the fucking Bobby Flay place. A couple Ooh, years. Yeah. who'd you go with? Uh, the chick? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With my girlfriend. What'd yeah. you guys get? Oh, man, I can't remember now. I think it was, I, don't know, I got pretty loaded. Whatever it, whatever it was you had, it had corn in it, right? Oh, Everything yeah. uh -huh. there has corn. Yeah. And Fest, tamales. How many dinners do you owe? Oh, I think I owe like five or six. The next one I want uh, Dave to come with us because he came in and filled in for, for you a couple of days. I went to Fishtail, too, when we all went to Fishtail. That, that was, was that a was nice really night. Nice. Yeah. That was a lovely night. Thank you for that. Got really loaded then, too. Why a, Why can't you just go out and eat? Well, you know, when this fucking booze What did you decide to give up for Lent? Oh, the porn. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be That's downloading right. or dealing with porn for the for you know the next forty days. I'm thinking about switching on and and smoking on Sundays because I'm fucking going crazy Oof. right now. I don't know. You should, you, I think if you. Why do they do say it, that smoking cigars is not addictive? It fucking just holding the cigars addictive to me. I couldn't give up cigarettes. I oh. go fucking crazy. Why would you even say that word to me? I'm f fucking freaking out. And then I just heard that word and it 
start to fucking kick in for me. Oh, no. All right. I'll dump out of that later. So anyway, there's one of those things that is definitely um, 50-50, I think, that people... I'm going to look at us. There's four of us sitting here. Straight guys have no problem with it. The other guys do have a problem with it. And yet, the interesting thing, the law completely on the side of the breastfeeder. Yeah. Which I was telling my friend, I go, you got to be careful with this because... Johnny Law wouldn't necessarily agree with you. No matter what you think the, you know, what is right and what is wrong, just like the other guy calling in, the law is on the side of that person. Um, Danny, you're on Ronnie Fez. Yeah, what's up, Ronnie B? Yeah, good. Listen, you know, they got a problem with a woman breastfeeding in public, but what about, uh, like, if there was some fat guy standing there eating with his mouth open, the food falling out over the place? Nobody would have a problem with that. No, uh, they would be grossed out, but would not get up and go over and um, <laughs> tell them what to do. Excuse me, sir. Now, there is a picture going around of little Surrey Q, uh, Cruz. She's the youngster who dresses, I guess, in some kind of hip express of fashion. Yeah. She's walking down the street, dressed very cute, with a pacifier in her mouth. Have you seen the pictures, uh yeah, I'm throwing them up now. It's it's. I don't know if I like that. Now, oddly, people are complaining to her parents, and I guess one of the things of Scientology is that kids should decide for themselves when they're what they're going to do about certain things. Really, they just leave it up to the fucking kids. Yeah, there's certain things that they say to the kids. You've got to give this up in your time. Now, that doesn't make any sense. Yesterday, I would have worried about... Well, let's face it. We we cause a little, a lot of trauma to kids in a couple ways. A, sleeping arrangements like who, you know, when they want to sleep with the mom and blah, blah, blah. And you put them in, it kind of causes trauma. The pacifier. I don't even remember if I ever had one. I don't think I did. I would take one today because of the cigar thing. I wish I had a pacifier in my mouth. Should I send it into Right fucking now. It wouldn't fucking hurt if you had one waiting for me. It's like, hey, man, I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to back me up. Well, I want to back Either you that up. Either or just but... like a fucking mouthpiece. But for some people, this is an overly traumatic thing. I had a buddy who kept sucking his thumb, and his parents got fucking crazy about it. And I guess they put shit all over his fucking oh. thumb so it would burn his mouth when he did it. There's things that you can buy. And... um he thought that was why he became an addict. And I'm like, I don't fucking suck my thumb. Look at me. Fucking tie off right now. But the main point is this. I don't know why, again, everybody wants to turn around and decide what's some other kid that they don't even know. Well, it's fucking Tom Cruise's kid that knows he's a Scientologist, so they feel they have even... They, everyone feels they're a better parent than him, I think. Yeah. Um, Joe, you're on my face. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah. I have twin boys, and... I don't mind where somebody whips it out and feeds their kid. I'm not a prude about that. But I'm just not a fan of kids in restaurants. I didn't take my guys out to a restaurant so they could spell the word restaurant. I mean, I don't want to ruin somebody else's fine dining experience. I don't want to hear your little brat whine, and you don't want to hear my kids whine. So for that purpose, I never took them until they were old enough to behave. Well, here's the thing, Joe. A restaurant is now... Most families are going four nights a week. You know, I mean, kids 
are eating in a Ruby Tuesdays style restaurant very, very early on. Yeah. The upper chains, not just the McDonald's where you expect to see a kid. Uh, But most of these things are aimed at families now. Um, You know, mom and dad are both cooking. I mean, they're both working. Neither of them wants to come home and cook. Come on over to Fridays, baby. Yeah, you're going over to Fridays. You're getting some kind of a fucking cheese thing. Mm. So yeah. it used to be going out to a restaurant was a you know a big deal for people. Now it's normal life. Yeah, people don't want to cook anymore. Well, there are more restaurants, right, too? There's tons more restaurants. Tons more restaurants than ever before. Um, there wasn't... You know, I mean, the... The chains of bigger restaurants is probably only about 30 years old. You know, the Fridays-type chains. Your Outbacks. Yeah, your Outbacks, your Fridays. Most of them are probably 30 years old and younger. Love that Bloomin' Onion. So kids are, you know, used to going there. And it's it's no longer considered like a night out. I don't know. Um, Jeff, you're on Run of Fez. What's up, boys? How are you? Good. Uh, out here looking at a beautiful ocean over here in San Luis Obispo County, 68 degrees, crystal clear. Ronnie, I wanted to know one question. Are there such thing as cigar withdrawals? Um, I'm actually feeling like I want a cigar, so I don't think it's the same as a withdrawal. It might be just psychological and mm-hmm. not physical at all. But the thought of, uh, I feel like uh, I've had my will be taken away from me. Oh, no. <laughs> and I mean, I do, I do smoke cigars for relaxation purposes so at least in my mind it's tied in with relaxation uh brett you're on a fest hey how you guys doing today all right about a year ago um this lady was breastfeeding in the restaurant that i work at and i wasn't working there at the time but i kindly turned to her and knowing that we have a diaper changing table in both bathrooms i asked her would you mind taking that to the bathroom and feeding your kid there because, I mean, reality is I can throw my napkin and hit the other wall. That's how small this dining room is. And it was just, you can hear it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not appropriate. Well, but let me tell you something. If you took a four-year-old into a public restroom and fed him his lunch there, the cops would come and fucking arrest you. This is not a bathroom fucking thing. You're feeding a baby food. Maybe you guys are fucking comfortable feeding a kid his Cheerios in a shit house. But that's really disgusting. I'd rather she threw him out fucking side in the rain and fed him. Shit particles. You guys are very confused about what mother's milk is. You think it's somewhere in between sex and piss. It's a warm bodily fluid. It is nourishment for a child. It's good for you. It's the actual thing that a child should be eating. And it has nothing to do with... It's pure fucking nature. The reason the mother is shaped the way she is is to give nourishment to the child. Mm. Okay. This isn't like two people going, uh-oh, I don't want to do, so I'll stick my dick in your ass. This is actual fucking nature. You're going to get grossed out by that warm fluid and oh. the other one? 
yes. Mm. <laughs> um, here is Jen. Jen, you're on Manifest. Yeah, Ron. Um, I breastfed my kid for two years. Um, I wore shirts to be able to do it discreetly, and, you know, if I had the option, I would go somewhere, uh, you know, and be discreet about it. But if my kid's got to eat, my kid's got to eat. I agree 100%, and there is every intention to be, you should make every intention to be discreet about it. But, exactly. I wasn't a hippie chick going, oh, you've got to deal with my boob or whatever. But it was like, you know, it, it is, an, as you were just saying, it's milk. It's what my kid eats. This is the healthiest thing for him. I'm sorry if you're offended. Look the other way. People got horrible table manners and in public, you know, manners anyway. So, you know, just it's a natural thing. Deal. <laughs> um. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. uh, here's Nick. Nick, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, what's going on? Yeah. Um, I was uh, I live in Florida, and I was having breakfast on the beach one day, and a couple comes in, and uh, they bring their child with them, and they sit down at the table, and the child starts being fussy while they're ordering and stuff, and then uh, in a few seconds, they bust out a portable DVD player in the middle of the restaurant and put in a DVD for the kid, so the kid quiets down, and... It's not like they were in a booth or anything. They were at a table. And then they just proceeded to talk amongst themselves and not even paying any attention to the child. Uh, and we were totally blown away by this. Like, uh, what kind of restaurant was it? It was, uh, it was just a beachfront um, open restaurant. <clears throat> just tables. They were, all, they were all open tables. You know what I mean? Not, no booths or nothing private or secluded. And everybody kind of sits in the same room. It, it's very, very interesting to me that the that we really don't want kids. We don't. Yeah, no. It's too fucking hard. But we are ready to... It takes too long. It, it, this fucking kills me. You're ready to give a kid drugs to make him concentrate better, yeah. but not his own mother's milk. That's fucking weird to you. You're willing to put him in front of a portable DVD player, but then turn around and say that breastfeeding is unnatural. We're fucking crazy we're insane there's something fucking totally wrong with us uh mike you're on the run fest show hey guys uh, mm. ronnie i completely agree with you on it being all natural but are these people just feeding them like animals all, all my kids were breastfed and my wife could she could strategically place the baby blanket where you couldn't even tell she was doing it yeah i i agree 100 percent. that is exactly the way it needs to be done. It needs to be done somewhat discreetly, of course. Uh, Scott Knoxville, you're on Renefest. Hey, first off, I can hear Pepper mouth breathing. But, uh, oh, come on! Oh, you're a human being, i got to breathe! Use your nose. Use your nose holes. Yeah, I've got a friend who, uh, she has, he has a really good-looking wife, and uh, when she got uh, pregnant, she breastfed in front of all of us all the time, and I kind of find myself getting turned off by it. I think it's hysterical that you use the term when she got out of being pregnant. I've never heard that before in my life, and <laughs> you're calling from Tennessee with that statement and the I get excited seeing uh, a baby. All right, appreciate it. it. Is. What age? What age do you have to stop breastfeeding? Who's guys? talking? Who is that talking? Oh, uh, it's me. Oh. Are we asking the same question that's on the callers up here? 
set up? No. Oh, it wasn't? So, like, stud on this line? It is. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, here is uh, Chris, the teacher. You're on Renifest. Hey, guys. Uh, I was wondering if I could maybe get some advice today. The Advice Show. I, uh, I'm getting married in 91 days, and the uh, only reason I'm doing it, is, totally, is because I have a beautiful son with the girl. He's a year old, and I hate her. I hate her face. I hate the way she looks. I hate the way she talks. I hate the way she smells. I hate the way she lives. Um, but we just bought a house together, and uh, I feel like I'm locked in here. What do I do? I'm 28 years old. Hey, I think it's going to work out for you, and that's why you called. You called because you're painting this thing. I I do think it's going to work. Um, I think well, after you get married, you're going to have, be having so much fun with that kid, you're going to start to love her face. So everything's going to fall into place for him? Yeah. That's just a uh, sign of cold feet saying that she stinks? I Well, the, the only saving grace for her is I get sick of everyone that I date. But now I feel like this is somebody's way of telling me, like, you know, like the Bronx Tale. Now I can't leave because I got the kids. No, you can't. That's the fucking problem. Um, but it's going to get so much better. Most of the forced marriages really work out great. <laughs> Can I get something on the side? What do I do? Yeah, yeah. Have sex on the side. Well, it sounds a little bit too easy here. Isn't it weird? But it, not only are you going to learn to love your new wife, you'll love your gumad, your side pussy, and everything's going to be great. What do you teach? What uh, what year? I teach social studies, a uh, high school kid. Then you know that these things work out. You're a well-read person. You know that you're going in this with the best possible head for this. You're a winner, and you're here to win. Sounds good to me, baby. I'm pumped up now. Now I, I want to go move the data to tomorrow. Yeah, get it done. Have a great time, Chris. Thanks, fellas. All right, bye. Sounds like things are going to work out. It's uh, always an interesting thing, even under the best circumstances. 50-50 is how you work out for a marriage, and that's when you go into it feeling great. Now, here's a guy who's calling up and going, I'm getting married. I hate this woman's face. She's disgusting. What do you think I should do? I hate the way she lives her you life. you got to marry her, dude. She's the one for you. You deserve it. You deserve it. Now, oh boy. we'll take a break and we'll come back and bring this up. Why do we go into anything with 50-50 odds? If you were getting on an airplane, would you go up if you heard it was 50-50? Would you cross the street where you know it was going to be 50-50? Would you go into a restaurant and eat where you thought it was 50-50, it was good, healthy food? And yet, you will go into a marriage where the lines are 50-50 that you will stay married. 50-50. That is, of course, unless you've been married before, then it drops down to about a 40% shot. You lose 10 points for being a double loser. Oh, no. And I think if you get married in Vegas... It's zero percent. That makes sense. It has moved into a zero. Uh, we will break and come back. And this was always my funniest fucking point of the gay marriage. Why do you want to go into something that already doesn't work? 
fails. Because other people do it. I want to get on the planes to crash half the time, too. Because other people do it. I don't think things through. I read headlines. So we'll get back into this. Marriage. Under the best circumstances, you got a 50% thing. Why do we still do it? Back to wrap it up. It's the Run and Fez Show. If this factory goes under, the whole town goes under. And that's when the whores come in. Excuse me? What was that? Been laying their trick money down. $20 to pay the rent. Maybe instead I'll spend it on the whore. It's the Run Fez Show. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Um, Hicks, did you get a chance to see the Handsome Boys yesterday? I caught a piece of it, yeah. They were actually playing down there. Um, Liam had them. And I think they might be doing something for special delivery because they were singing, Hold On, I'm Coming. Those kids have really great soul voices. And what's kind of interesting about them is they were like pop stars. And now that they're former, like, kid stars, they don't go and do, I don't know, any of those crazy houses that you get voted off. They just go out and they're a band. They just have an act and they play shows. Yeah, they go out and play clubs to the people who want to. And they got all that umbot money to fucking sit on so they can do whatever the hell they want. Which is nice for them. I wouldn't mind having some umbot money. Hell yeah. Um... Someone told me to check on Brazilian Julie. She's not feeling well. She said breastfeeding and eating in public are both very gross to me. A lot of people despise eating in public. And uh, I think that that was um, put best in that. What was that girl interrupted movie where the one crazy girl was like, you wouldn't let people see this stuff leave your body. Why do you want to let people see it enter your body? There are some people very grossed out by any kind of eating. It is weird. You're taking fucking flesh meat and busting it up with your teeth, gnawing it up with your teeth, and then acting like, come on. There's some things that are gross. Um, but she's also lost, confused, doesn't know what to do, just lost. Wish someone pushed her into a river as a kid so she never had to continue. Every day is so shitty. Fuck it all. I'm just going to cave and fall under pressure anyway. I've lost all motivation and will to live. Done and done. It sounds like Brazilian Julie needs to come in here one day and hang out. I'll arrange that. Will you, Hicks, or is this another time you tell me you're going to arrange something and it ends up not getting arranged? Things will be arranged. So, as for right now, I have to get Brazilian Julian here and live mixtape, Ron and Fez show style. What I want is her here in the next six minutes. Uh, I'll try. Fez, if you had a Twitter right now, would your stuff look like that? 
Just start sending out tweets of the way you feel right now. Go ahead. Uh, confused, feeling bad for Brazilian Julie. Is that 140 characters? It's less. So, so you can send that out and then you do another one. Thinking, uh, just, um, still thinking about my dad. Miss him a lot. There's a tweet. Um. Is this the Fez's shitter account? I wish it was. Twitter shitter. I wish he would have stayed with that. I'm using this pretzel rod like it was a fucking cigar. Like I was two years old. The same way you did there. Except for when I would take a pretzel rod and pretend it was a cigar, I'd go like this. Yeah, see? I'm smoking a cigar, see? I love it. Who's that walking around? What young rocker is that? And who's in the uh, fishbowl right now? I don't even know who they are. That's uh, Rascal Flats. That can't be a real name. Too stupid. Um, Paul, you're on my face. Yo, Ronnie B., what's up, my brother? Yeah. Fez, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Hey, you said uh, 0% chance of a marriage there in Vegas. I got married in Vegas 17 years and uh, still going. Trust me, it will not last. <laughs> it will not last. The secret to a long marriage is that guilt washes off in the shower. So you don't, you, you don't feel that she needs to know everything? No, no, that would be silly. Yeah. Uh, Hicks, you agree with that? No, I mean... You ever keep anything from your chick? No, I fucking like to be honest with my lady. With my lady? Yeah, with my lady. My lady and I will be having sex later. She's my lady. (laughs) Whoa, 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 she's a lady. Tattooed up, she's my lady. Yes, I'd like to make reservations for my lady and myself. We are coming for some fine duck. By the way, I can't get that duck club out of my head from yesterday. Oh, God, I want one back. I know, it's been fucking driving me crazy. We go down in Chinatown, try to find some sort of some sort of equipment. Yeah, sure, we'll get the duck part, but nothing else. My lady will have the knockwurst, and I will have the same. Hey, how you doing? I came by to see you. Look like you're doing all right. Oh, by the way, you left your wallet over my house the other night. Let me know if you guys need some cheap trick. My lady and I are enjoying ourselves. I say that you're a beautiful lady, my lady. How's your lady thing? Later, I hope to... Give a friendship to your lady bits. Mike, you're on a fez. Mike. So, Brownie, yeah. you know you were saying that people going around the second time has uh, less chance of making it the first time. I think the mistake people make is they get divorced and talk to these guys been married three times by the time they're 40. I got divorced at 25, wait 25 years to do it again, and I think you've got to talk about everything. Nothing can be taboo, and that's the way you got to make it work. you got to be friends, you got to be honest. 
Uh, Hicks, are you very, very friendly with your lady? Yes, I am. Let me just tell you a depressing fact here. <laughs> because it's a 100% failure rate. Every marriage will end in either divorce or death. There is no way around it. Oh. You will fuck up. And it will not work out. God, it's... How is that for 100% guarantee that your marriage will end in divorce or death, no matter how much you enjoy the lady's company? I guess we can hope for death. Hello, my lady. Come in, my lady. I've set aside some fine chocolates for you. You ever feed her, Hicks? No, I don't, Just I don't you with that. a fucking bowl and a big spoon and some egg salad. <laughs> Would my lady like a little more egg salad? Well, egg salad's good. Perhaps a duck club. Would my lady like any more bread? Thank you, my lady. What's the heaviest drug you and your chick ever did together, Hicks? Uh, probably Molly. Yeah? Yeah. That's always fun. Never chased a horse? No, we haven't shot heroin together, no. I guess it's something to look forward to, maybe down the line. Perhaps my lady would like to take a pony ride tonight, <laughs> my lady. What's the story on um, Brazilian Julie? When she, can she get here? I don't think she's going to make it in the next minute or so. Since it's been Let me tell you something. Since... Um, now I'm saying that she says she's PMSing. Make sure her lady time is over before you bring her in here. Lady she was supposed to be here a long time ago. I know. Brazilian lady. Um. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's my lady. Fed, you got a true story for us? Well, this is a true story. It's uh, We're supposed to have a super moon in the next couple of weeks. Where the moon gets as close as it uh, is going to get as close as it's been in 19 years to the Earth. If you get a running jump, you can touch it with your hand. So they said that also uh, one of the super moons that we had that didn't get as close as this one is going to may have caused the 2005 tsunami in Indonesia. So to just look for you know maybe some crazy weather, volcanic activity when the moon gets too close to us. So it's uh, the moon, out of all the natural things, that is one of the craziest, that we just have the giant rock hanging over our heads at all times. That it's just floating up there, and we don't worry about it falling or crashing into us, even though we're getting super moon on the 19th. But if you had a boulder just over your head constantly, and you're walking down the sidewalk, and it's there, you would be freaked out about it. What would be holding that boulder up? If there was some sort of gravitational force doing it. I think, wouldn't the gravitational force bring it down on your head? Are you saying if we were six feet from from space? Yeah, that would be weird. Probably dead. My lady passed away. There wasn't enough oxygen for here on the planet. It was like total recall. I'm now looking for a new lady for myself. 
I enjoy the lady fingers. So, uh, so uh, apparently we're just going to have this huge moon on the 19th. Ooh. Hicks, uh, is it a full moon? Um, I'm not sure if it's full, but they did call it super. Doesn't seem like it's going to be impressive if it's a big, giant slither of a moon. You know, you need to see the whole Jim Dandy. Yeah, that shit doesn't need to lap the fucking night here. Otherwise, and kiss my ass. My lady is enjoying the eighth moon. Also, in Connecticut, uh, there was a guy getting his hair cut who went nuts on the guy cutting his hair, grabbed the scissors, and started stabbing him. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often the other way around. Where that's kind of a paranoia of mine. If you're sitting in the barber chair and the guy's got the scissors there and you have to trust him with something sharp that he's not going to have an accident and lop off an earlobe or that if or that he's going to go nuts and just stab you in the brain with a with a scissors. Um, I would think that constantly if I was a barber, there is an ear I could cut off right now. Uh, here's Lois. Lois showing the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I'm not an astronomer or anything, but I just want to point out the Fez. I, I don't think the moon is actually above our head. I think it's like out in the space, like it's more of your perspective from the Earth, like the Earth is kind of turning or something. It makes the moon look like it's rising and falling, but um, it's not above our head. It's not made out of cheese either. Yeah, but it's right there in the neighborhood. It is a full moon. Um... Here's uh, Mike, Best Chester. West Chester, Best Chester. Hey, what's up? Hey, Ron and Fez, how you doing, guys? Um, hey, listen, I got a tip of information for you guys. Uh, the moon's actually uh, part of the Earth. It was actually hit by um, another an asteroid about 4 billion years ago when the Earth was forming, and it blew a chunk out, and it just orbited our, uh, our atmosphere. Our, our, it's in our solar system. It's part of our, it's one of our satellites. Uh, and it's actually not made of cheese. Um, so, that's just a little tidbit of information. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. We don't look deep into it, do we, Fezzy? We just say the moon is like a boulder hanging over your over your head while you're walking down the street. Now, would you be better off without a moon? Um, no, because then the water would just sit there. I, w- I would think. It wouldn't come in, uh, the tides wouldn't come in and out. I don't, I don't know how many waves we would actually get. So you wouldn't be happy without a moon, and you're not happy with a moon? Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that we take for granted, that this thing isn't just crashing into our planet. Uh, we don't take it for granted. We understand how the gravitational pull uh, works. So it's not like we're sitting here like cavemen, scratching at ourselves. Um, here's Chris, you're on Fez. Yeah, I haven't been able to listen much today. I'm sorry, guys. But, uh, Fez, you sound great the last few minutes. Uh, can we keep the show rolling for an extra hour or so? I think the computer's going to come kick us off. Oh, come on. You guys sound great today. That's the one computer that works around here. The other ones, uh, the other ones are on constant fail mode. 
The anti-smoking advocates are upset about the new Johnny Depp cartoon, Rango. I'm with them. I hate smokers. No. That's because uh, it's got this cartoon has like. You mind putting that out? It stinks. I'm 15 feet away from you. What's the cartoon have, Fez? Uh, 60 instances of smoking in it. Yeah, see? I'm smoking this cigar, see? Ha, ha. It's a pretzel rug. I always wanted that, and I wanted my dad to have a, some kind of a car with, like, those running boards so I could hang on the outside of it and shoot machine guns. Ah, say that, we're on vacation. So they want to make sure, they want to change it actually to an R rating. Arr, for pirate. Because of all the smoking in it. Well, I read the reviews on this. Um, the early reviews said that kids wouldn't even enjoy the movie anyway. That the movie was really, the jokes were aimed at adults. Yeah, none of those cartoons are children's films anymore. Toy Story isn't? No, I think uh, I think just as many adults are going to see it as children. I think it's yeah, just... Yeah, but a, are, are adults going to a children's movie or is it an adult movie? I think now they're just... I think everything is in a, um, a category of... Adult, category? Of adult movies. I think everything is just movies. I don't think there's children's films. It's just adults who are choosing to go see an animated movie. And there's animated films. That's a category. So you don't think that those movies that they make are like for children? Like those traveling pants or whatever the fuck they are? You think adults can go to them? They shouldn't. Or high school the musical? I think we still have children's movies. I tried to see that Spy Kids 3D. I don't even understand it. It looked like a computer, like a cartoon with regular kids in it. That sounds tripped out, actually. But like the Twilight movies, that's I don't think that's a children's movie. I think you're seeing a lot of adults there that, uh, that are into that. It's mostly young girls, though, children are going to see it, I think. I tried to watch it on TV. I can't. I, and don't get me wrong. I can watch Grease on TV. I can watch some bad shit on TV. But they're confusing an animated film. Just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for children. I think that's where the anti-smoking people are getting confused. Yeah, but if you smoke in a real movie, it's R. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. You never see anyone smoking movies anymore. I can't remember the last time I did. Maybe I just don't even notice it. Uh, Paul, you're on Buenos dias. Hey, man. Hey, uh, yeah, I saw Rango. I took my uh, my three-year-old, and it's pretty much an enemy of Western, man. It's uh, really not a kid's movie. I enjoyed it. She didn't. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like if there's so much smoking in it. And I think the movie's excuse was, well, the smoking isn't glorified in it. Where it's never uh, it's never made to look cool, and the main character, Rango, doesn't smoke. But that's not going to satisfy the anti-smoking people. 
Nothing satisfies the anti-smoking people. Pricks. As a non-smoker myself, or a former smoker. Oh, don't go down this road, Ronnie B. I got pretzel rods now. Ah, Sam, smoking a pretzel rod. I understand pretzel rods are tasty and salty, but... Come on. Ah, yeah, sure, pretzel rod. One um, uh, pop culture term that I'm not a fan of is baby bump. And we have so many pregnant celebrities now. You see the word baby bump everywhere. Jessica Alba showing off her baby bump. Does any real people say it, though? I think so. You ever have friends say somebody has a baby bump? I've never heard it. You hear the terrible news? She's pregnant. I think it shows up in those kind of magazines that you read, right? The gossip magazines? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's made it outside of there. I don't know if it's pop culture, if it's a National Enquirer. Maybe it is. You know what I'd say? Yeah, she's got a baby bump, see? A baby bump. All right. This gets sent to us. Um, I said, "Am I? did I dream this or Fez already do this topic before on Baby Bump? I don't remember. Do you, Hicks? I don't think so. I mean, there might have been other slang he was pissed at, but I don't think it was specifically Baby Bump. I don't remember doing it. Baby Bump. So what would you like to call it, Fez? Preggers? Preggers is a little bit cuter than Baby Bump. Baby Bump sounds like this actress has a uh, tumor growing inside her. And we're looking at a profile of it. It's not. It's not a tumor. It's not. So, yeah, I think we could just go with pregnant. I already do. You're preaching to the choirs now, big man. Sounds like you need to send off an angry letter to the editor. To one of those gossip mags. Well, no. With child, I'm not a big fan of. That sounds like they have a whole full-grown kid inside of them. Like they've got a kidney gardener in there. A what? Kidney gardener. Kidney gardener. Kidney gardener? Kidney gardener. Um, Bruce, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ron, the smoking, Rival wasn't a good movie to begin with, but the smoking wasn't like smoking. It was like how you draw a fucking fat, you know, bad guy character with a stogie in his mouth. You know, it was part of the character. It wasn't like he was smoking. It was Yeah, just, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, like you say, yeah. Watch anyway, out, Rango. You're going to be in big trouble with me. I'm a cartoon, too. I'm not some kindergarten. Yeah. Why don't you get voiceover work for this movie? You know, one of these people's problems. I know this Laszlo doesn't even use me anymore. Unbelievable. Don't worry, Laszlo. Maybe I'll make up my own fucking thing, making up my own video games. Let's do it. So I'm sure the anti-smoking people will end up getting an R rating slapped on this thing. And then that'll just look bizarre. Any parents that are still taking their kid to Rango when it changes to an R rating. Didn't they already get the rating done? Oh yeah, it's done, but they want it changed. Mm. 
Well, in two weeks, he'll be out of the theater anyway. Then they'll go after the DVD sales. Well, that's it for us today. I'd like to thank our guest, Rebecca Pigeon, for coming in. The new album is Slingshot, due out in September. You can catch that, check that out at RebeccaPigeon.com. That's it for us. I watched it for a little while. I love uh, that's the end of my show. Donk.